This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. Mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal, and this is Joel, and we're going to talk about DC Comics animation today. Thought that'd be kind of fun, just chatting it up about, you know, cartoons, particularly some of the best comic book cartoons uh, ever. Ever. Like, Marvel, say what you will about, like, Marvel's attempts at, like, animation and the fact that they're owned by the largest animating company mm-hmm. in the universe but yeah. even their nice new guardians of the galaxy cartoon doesn't hold a candle to what is probably to the worst dc animated movie um now that said we're gonna i hopefully will get a chance to actually try and identify what that movie was uh because i don't know yet what it is but once we get over the list i think i know what it is i think i know what my personal one is but only the ones i've seen but uh yeah we're gonna talk about dc animation and just how great it has kind of always been uh, the dips and dives and the heights and the lows mm-hmm. of DC animation. Uh, All the way back from the heady days of September 5th, 1992 on Fox. P- people forget that, that the DC animated universe with Batman the Animated Series was kind of birthed on Fox, weirdly enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that was, we're talking about Batman Mask of the Phantasm, correct? No, I'm talking about like Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah, you know, the Animated Series is absolutely like a, pi- like a test pilot for DC animated movies. Um, the Batman Animated Series... I think it premiered in 1992. It was an amazing it was cartoon. If you haven't watched it, you can watch it on Amazon. Uh, and But you owe it to yourself just by the first two or three seasons. It's amazing. Uh, Netflix work. has some, but it's not complete. No, and don't buy those like... And they've been doing this since VHS, where they have... Uh, where an animated series will get like two or three episodes on one disc or, or tape. Such a scam. What a scam! That, just get the series! Like, I remember Spectacular Spider-Man was like, you could piece the whole first season together if you got, like, each three-episode three disc. Like, what a, what a crock. That, that, that was such a crime, and they wonder why that show died on the vine the way yeah. it did. Oh, it died. Oh, as I understand it, it didn't die on the vine. I think it was murdered on the vine, because Sony was like, no. Like, when Disney got the, got the Spider-Man rights back, they were like, bye. Yeah, Sony, that that, should, you're doing. that was definitely a casualty of that whole, you know, merger corporate BS. But we're not here to talk about Marvel. We're exactly. here to talk about we can DC. Do that in the future. But like DC started off with Batman the Animated Series, which span which spawned into Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which I hate to start it with this because it's my favorite. It's Is it really? easily my favorite DC animated movie of all time? It's it's pretty damn great. No, it's funny. It's basically Batman Begins before Batman Begins was even a thing. Yeah, it it it. it borrows elements from the Batman mythos, but perfectly integrates it into the Batman, the animated series continuity, which had kind of developed and snowballed into its own kind of thing. Which had never had like, like an origin episode was the thing. Like one of the coolest things about Batman, the animated series is they start you right into on leather wings and it's just boom. Batman's been Batman for a bit. Time to follow along. You can come in an episode five. You can come in an episode 50 and it's all the same. Batman has been Batman so long. His Robin is college age. It's true. Which is which was another like thank you moment for me as a as a kid watching Batman the animated series where I'm like Robin is 
a little older than the Tim Drake Robin I'm enjoying right now in comics. And I was like, wow, that's the Robin I like. I'd never wanted a little kid Robin to identify with. I always wanted to be <laughs> a grown up who was kicking it with Batman. Um, but yeah, Batman, the uh, Mask of the Phantasm, um, as I understand, it was directed by Randomsky. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, Paul Dini, um, Bruce Tim. I think in like the more reserved time in their lives, like in the beginning where they're like, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't just push for everything. There's a lot of restraint in that movie, despite a lot of the wheels coming off. Cause it's like, it was yeah. really dark, very adult. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember, um, the studio, they were, the original plan was just to make it a direct to VHS release. The plan was just to release it, you know, make the, make the VHS money. And, like, halfway through production, the uh, Warner Brothers is like, you know, we could put this out, like, in theaters. And Certainly has a movie-quality score, that's for certain. Oh, my gosh. Shirley Walker has no equal. Um, she really doesn't. And it's funny, because you think that original theme, the original Batman animated series theme, was by her, because you because you, you hear her name associated with the Batman animated series for so long. But no, in fact, that's Danny Elfman's theme from the friggin' movie. <laughs> that's just a mix. That's just a that's just a Shirley Walker altered version of the Danny Elfman theme from the original 1989 movie. And um, Shirley Walker finally got a chance to like stretch her wings, as it were, with <laughs> Batman: The Mask of the Phantasm. That's the first time you hear that theme, that Batman theme that you you identify with for Batman. No, that's, that's the Danny Elfman theme. I'm thinking of the one where it's like... Oh, that's that, the that, theme. I, I love to, we can just hum it and you know exactly. Like, oh! Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, it also, of course, cemented the legacy that still is today, Mark Hamill is the Joker. Oh, yeah, I mean, just killer... Just it's like so perfect. And so, you know, it's scary to think of the road not traveled that, you know, if maybe he didn't get hurt in that motorcycle accident and if his film career had gone another right? way, <laughs> we never we... would have gotten the greatest Joker of all time as far as no, I'm concerned. We would have had a pretty solid Joker. Tim Curry was the original voice of the Joker and then they pulled Supposedly. him. Supposedly. I think I've heard the audio commentary. They say that they did have him. And yet we've never heard any released thing of what he would have sounded like. I know, the... but you could probably guess it's basically Pennywise the Dancing Clown from the Stephen King series, It. Um, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Tim Curry fan. Oh, I love Tim it, Curry too, but I'm And so... in the 90s, he was every villain. Yeah, he was Captain Hook in Fox's Peter Pan and the Pirates. There's no question he would have been a good Joker. I theorize, there's, a, there's an episode, I can't remember what the hell it's called, but it's the one where Bruce loses his memory and oh, he's locked um... in, and he goes in the hot box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one with the fat Southern sheriff. With and the everything. fat, like, plantation owner guy. Um, I remember they used to play that episode all the time on Fox Kids. Yes. And I used to hate it because it's like, oh, there's no supervillains in this one. It's just some fat boss hog guy yep. As, who's <laughs> fighting Batman. And now when I get older, I appreciate it that much more now that I'm older. As a, as a kid, I remember always being disappointed that it wasn't Joker and that it wasn't a supervillain. But... I watched the hell out of them anyway and committed them to memory. And as I got older, I was like, I remember thinking like, what a ballsy move. Like, we're it's just, true. No, sometimes it's going to be a guy. Sometimes evil doesn't have a scary face. Sometimes evil's just a fat guy. Like, and the dude, and the dude was pretty evil. He was running a freaking dust bowl slave camp. Yeah, and he's and you're all roast and he's eating turkey legs. Like he's at a Renaissance fair all the time. So good. And Alfred kicks ass in that Alfred episode. Drives too. the bad plane in that episode. Too much three PO S hilarity. Very uh, much so. But in that episode, 
the thing that makes Bruce Wayne remember who he is is the Joker. Yeah, he's having a he's having a a, a vision d- during heat exhaustion, uh, and he sees his reflection in a mirror, and the mirror is laughing at him. And then the reflection becomes the Joker and then pulls Bruce through the mirror and they both fall into an abyss together. But it's before they cast Mark Hamill as the Joker. And mm. I and his laugh sounds a lot like Tim Curry. See, now I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that episode yeah. tonight. Now, now, now you've made it so. I don't know if it's necessarily Tim Curry, but it might be Mark Hamill approximating Tim Curry. Well, because the funny thing about Hamill is Hamill was in the show as Ferris Boyle in the uh, Mr. Freeze episode yes. in uh, Heart he, of Ice. He plays so many characters in the beginning of the show because he was begging them to get him in the show. He's like, I want to play a villain. I just want to play a bad really guy. Who am I going to be? And they're like, fine, man. You can be the jerk in <laughs> in the Mr. Freeze episode. You can be the corporate jerk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Mask of the Phantasm. I was saying restraint because Harley Quinn isn't in that. And you know that Bruce, uh, that that Paul Dini at least, ha- was fighting tooth and nail to get her in there. Oh, because, of course he was, because she's his waifu. Yeah, exactly. He fucking loves that character so much. And I've never seen anyone have a creepier, more desperate uh, attraction to his own creation than Paul Dini for Harley Quinn. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about I mean, Paul Dini also loves Zatanna a whole lot, so much to the point that he married a real female magician in real life. <laughs> I did not know that. that oh, is... you didn't know that? Oh, yeah. Her 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 name is Misty. She's a or Misty the Amazing or something. She's an actual female magician. The dude lived the nerd dream of actually marrying a real life Zatanna. That's pretty cool. All right, I'll give it to him. By the way, uh, speaking of Batman, the animated version. Have you seen the commercial for the Batman animated series action figures that stars Bruce uh, or Paul Dini and Kevin Smith? No. It's basically a parody of the kids' commercials where they're like, oh no, Mr. Freeze is coming. I'll use my batarang. But it's, and, and it's just, it goes from a hilarious, from a hilarious recreation to a parody to pulling back further until you get to the studio <laughs> at Warner Brothers Animation. It's Kevin Smith and Paul Dini, and they're like, okay, now let's make him kiss. Mm, like, it's How amazing. have I never seen that? You gotta see it because these figures are top freaking notch um i don't know if you ever bought action figures as a kid but maybe that's another episode yes <laughs> I, I think action figures should be a whole other episode I think so too because damn um but yeah mask of the phantasm amazing movie it started the whole thing off and i never expected it to become dc animation i just was like oh cool like it's the show gets a movie not yeah. like we're making movies um after that they kept it going with batman uh Sub-Zero. That's right. Which, which, is, a, uh, which is more, not a sequel. It's just a continuation of the show. And, and again, too, it's like, okay. Like, here's the thing. As far as, like, the movies connected to Batman, the animated series, I- I'll probably be a little controversial here when I say, you know, Mask of the Phantasm, awesome, classic. People yeah. love it for a reason. All the other ones, yeah. Like, I-, I-, I will happily watch Heart of Ice over Sub-Zero. I'm not going to lie. No, I, uh, Tiffany loves sub-zero and i think i know why and it's just because she loves mr freeze and she loves the heart of ice episode she loves the creation of mr freeze from the show the show by the way created the whole mr freeze nora tragic tragic whatever angle it's why it won a daytime emmy award 
Uh, as it deserved. Yeah. And it's still one of the greatest 22 minutes of, like, animated television. Like, that bit at the end there where he's looking Ugh. at the snow globe and the music hits just right. And, yep. and where a warm hand reaches for yours. Oh. an unbelievable episode done by an animation team that will never exist again. That I know. Team, you And when it's them, it's magic. Like, when it's it that is. team, they did that one. They did uh, the second part of the Clayface episode. Um, they, I think they did on leather wings, but they, they do, they pull out all the stops to the point where they bankrupted themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, is like, why didn't, when you, when you were at the opportunity to make a movie, they went with the animation team that would eventually go on to do the Adventures of Batman and Robin, which is basically just season three of Batman the Animated Series. But to, to me, it's all Batman the Animated Series. Is. I know, I know, some people have got up my ass before. It's like, well, actually, Joel, that was the new Adventures of Batman and Robin, the same or that freaking was... show. It's just it, there's it, more Robin. In, in many cases, the same opening credits. I know on the DVD box set that I got, sometimes they they swip, uh, swap out the opening credits. <sighs> sometimes they don't. Yeah. I... It's funny. I have a I have a soft spot for the original opening, and the opening the old the cold open is amazing and spectacular. And with the title cards, with yeah, but there's no. Uh, I I like the music in the new Adventures of Batman and Robin, um, and I like I even like the music in Batman Superman World's Fine, like that the Batman Superman half hour new opening credits they did, which like, are, are, which aren't really on the DVDs actually. Oh no! Oh no! 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 Which is fine. Pardon me, but uh, moving on, I guess, because yeah, we don't, we didn't really like it. It was, you know, it doesn't have nearly as much punch emotionally that either Mask of the Phantasm or Heart of Ice does have. Yeah, but it, it does give you the trend of like, oh, like okay, they're they're making more of these. Then of course they did Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker, which I love. I think that one's a beautiful finale for Batman Beyond. Like that's the last word they ever needed to write. And as far as I'm concerned, it was the last word they wrote until they did Epilogue and until they did Batman Beyond 2.0, which are also honestly pretty good. They are pretty right. great. And you know what? I don't I consider Batman Beyond Return of the Joker to be the end of the Batman animated series and the end of the Batman Beyond series. Um, but those Justice League episodes are pretty are pretty fucking spectacular. It's, it, it really is like the ultimate torch passing moment is what it is. And when they basically recreate the final shot. Yeah of Batman Beyond being the first shot of From Batman the Animated That was amazing. I'm like, they did it again. And they even got, because Kevin Conroy plays the name, or plays the voice of the pilot in the opening of On Leather Wings. And he plays him again. Yes, he does. Batman Beyond. Friggin' amazing. Then, things take a turn. It's almost like Star Trek, where like every other one is pretty, or the every odd one is crappy. But like, Batman Mystery of the Batwoman. I remember hearing about this and being so, so forgettable. excited about it. And I bought it. Like, I didn't even rent. I was just like, I gotta, I gotta own it. Bought it, threw it on. They recast Penguin. Yeah. They recast Bane. Yes, they did. And they cast Kelly Ripa as Batwoman. Odd. And it's garbage. The story is so terrible. It's not great. It's the, you know, it's the one and only interesting thing about that. And this is only if you're a hardcore continuity junkie like me who pays attention to this. Yeah. So in Batman Beyond, we find out that things, you know, didn't work out between Dick Barbara and, and Dick and Barbara. And you're like, well, why is that? And then you clearly find out in this that they don't try and hide it from you at all that Bruce and Barbara are clearly dating. Definitely. 
They are yeah. clearly dating. He is clearly dodging her, her calls. And they're like, oh, that's so icky and disgusting. Yeah, that really you're, bothered you're, me. You're damn right it is. And it's supposed to bother you. And that's why years later, a great writer like Kyle Higgins can come along with Batman Beyond 2.0 and be like, look, I'm going to tell you this story now. Yeah, and it's really dark. It is. If you ever wanted a sequel to Batman Beyond, be careful what you wish for because it, it, it's there and it's dark. You know, I, when I interviewed Kyle Higgins for my show when he was writing 2.0, I, like, like I asked him, it's like, are you going to do something with that? Yeah. A and he literally was shocked. He's like, D who told you? Who who leaked my script thing? Who told you I was going to do that? And he's like, because I would have done it. That's uh, why. That's cool. And, and then we were bros forever because we both had the same messed up idea of like, no, this this story needs to be told. Yeah. Of, like, Bruce being a real dick and, like, going over uh, Dick Grayson's head and being like, yeah, I'm dating Barbara now. Yeah. Ugh. I don't, I don't like that character decision, but I'm, it's so unessential to the mythos, and especially in the animated form. I'm fine. But it's like, but it's like, think about it, though. I mean, Bruce lost, you know, his parents at a young age. He's always trying to recapture that youth and whatever. And Barbara had a strong father who was often absent. I think if we're going to play Arkham armchair psychologist <laughs> for a second, it makes right. perfect sense. Yeah, it's ugh. Yeah, it bothers me because it's like it's 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 Gordon's daughter. You work with Gordon. You're like, no, it's that 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 that's a bro code. You don't break. <laughs> don't... But and that's the thing. Batman's not perfect. He's not infallible. He can right. be a real jerk. And that way you're more strengthened to like uh, to Robins. like what Dick is saying. Yeah. yeah. Then they did the show The Batman, which oh. I was 100 percent against when they started. But after it was canceled, I went back and checked out some of the episodes and I was like, it was okay, especially when they started to widen the world and bring in the Justice League. I kind of dug it. I wasn't, I, I don't like it more than anything else, but they made this show. And I, I, I kind of stuck my foot in the ground and was like, no, no, not having any of this. Yeah. Uh, but they made Batman versus Dracula, which I was like, I assume this is like a two-parter, but no, it was a movie, 83 minutes long. Never saw it, heard of it, never saw it. Same here, but... They, they did some interesting things. They changed the characters a lot. Uh, they continued the legacy of Harley Quinn. Uh, they made the Joker into like a Rastafarian guy, I guess. Yes, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. Yeah, what a weird choice, but interesting. Like, it's cool. It's funny. Like, people say that I'm always set in my ways, and I'm like, no, I don't like change. But, like, look, it doesn't take away what Mark Hamill did as the Joker. It's just a totally different interpretation for a totally different show, which is, I think, pretty cool. The, the, the funny thing about that, I remember Kevin Michael Richardson did an interview about how he came around to that Joker voice in that show. And he said, you know, like, ah, I was almost in a car accident on my way to the studio. Oh, I had gotten some bad news. I was just genuinely really pissed when I got in the VO booth. And they're like, we love it. <laughs> He's like, I didn't think I was going to get the role. I didn't think I was right for it. So I just yelled and screamed into the mic and then they gave me the role. Wow, that's really cool. Um, then they did this movie. That was so bizarre. Like, I I didn't watch it. Called Superman Brainiac Attacks? I watched it once when I was young. I've never watched it since. It, I, I heard negative things about it immediately. And they changed Lex Luthor's voice. Not Clancy Brown, which, Not Clancy uh, Brown. which already you're in trouble. But they did get Powers Booth, which is awesome. But we would prove later that it would be more awesome for him to play a villain in the Justice League cartoon. Yes. 
but Superman Brainiac attacks, utterly forgettable. But now you're like, oh, and this for me is when they started when they started to say like we're starting to try to make we're, we're deliberately doing this now. It's not yeah. just spinning them out of shows. Like it was Tim Daly as Superman, so it was clearly from the Superman animated series. But this was their first like the Superman animated series is over. <laughs> Here's a movie. Tim Daly, the guy from Wings who spells his last name the same way I do, actually. Have you looked up? Have you seen if, like, you guys are related in any way? I have and we're not, unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) Although I do have an uncle named Tim, ironically enough, but it's not the Tim Daly from the show. Damn it. Um, This close to being related to Superman, but... Yeah. No. That'd be cool. Uh, Then Teen Titans Go, or Teen Titans, launched. Yeah which was a really interesting show that had a lot of promise and a lot of really made a lot of great decisions. I think, I think for a lot of kids that one hit just right for them where it's like, Hey, if you remember growing up on these superhero cartoons and I bet you're really into anime right now, cause it's the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. This show is perfect for you. Cause it blends them all together. It does. And it was funny. What a, what a, what an obviously Western interpretation of anime it was. Yes. Uh, but I loved the voice actors. I liked the direction for the Dick Grayson Robin character. It was it was Glenn Murakami on that one who had done all those other shows previously who was working on this. Yeah, and I was always disappointed that they never crossed them over with Justice Well, they, they, they couldn't, even though they kind of tease you a little bit in an with episode that. where... I think it was a static Batman Beyond crossover yeah. where he's like, hey, where's Robin? Oh, he's off with the Titans. And yeah. then you never got to see that. <laughs> I, that's so dis. They're owned by the same damn company. What, like, if you, you, if you can't cross them over, that's on you. Like, that, no one else is stopping you. You're just choosing not to do it. The the thing about Teen Titans was that it often felt like two different shows. Yes. There was the anime wackiness episodes, like the comedy bits. I I really love Malcolm McDowell as Mad Mod. That's like probably one of my favorite episodes. That's hilarious. That is amazing. That's a great one. And then there were, like, the Slade episodes. They couldn't call him Deathstroke because no, Death was like, too hardcore. It was too hardcore for TV. Yeah. But, but the Slade they, episodes where shit got real. The Slade episodes were so dark, you might as well have called him Deathstroke. It's true. Um, yeah. But uh, but they made a show. But they made a movie, which I think is just multiple shows tied to get strung together, called yeah. Teen Titans Trouble in Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, which has Slade and it's Asian themed and blah. Because Japan, guys. Yeah. Um, this would be one of the first or ever Teen Titans movies. I remember they were always planning on doing the Jericho contract, but they never, or the Judas That's contract. The Judas contract, which apparently is still in development for this day. We're going to get to it. Yeah, one sure. of these days. I look forward to it. Uh, but then, I th- and this is for me, the, the official launch of the DC animated like movie lineup which was Superman Doomsday. Mm, yes, yes, yes. I remember yes. thinking, what a great idea. And the reason why I thought that was because I'm like, way to, like, way to take a complicated, ridiculous mess that was and the Superman. boil Doomsday. it down to its essentials. Just a cool fight between Superman and Doomsday. And boy, did they not do that. Like, they made it a fight, but they also made it this insane psychodrama. To yeah. To the point where oh. I've... I've never seen a version of Lex Luthor before or since that was in Superman Doomsday. Have you ever seen it? James Marsters or whatever from Buffy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Plays Lex Luthor in this bizarre love, hate, desperate 
version of Lex Luthor where he his opening monologue is beautiful where he's like look at how they worship him yeah ugh. like I like that but when he clones Superman just to beat on him why did you leave me what the that was when I'm like okay show or okay movie we're going off the rails uh also Adam Baldwin terrible Superman yeah, well, we could say a lot about Adam Baldwin as a human being, but as a Superman. He's a great Jane. He's a good Jonah Hex in he's the a, Justice League He's a good Jonah Hex. And by the way, we should at some point, if we ever talk about Justice League, we should talk about the Firefly connection. Because for some reason, Andrea Romano can't help but, but get everyone from the crew of Serenity in that vote. Every that time. Movie. Every time. Gina Torres, Adam Baldwin, Nathan Fillion, uh, Summer Glau um adam baldwin they never got ron glass shepherd book uh they never got uh simon uh sean maher and i'm sure if they kept going they would have they got uh alan tudyk i think to play a couple of things and uh i don't forget some oh uh kaylee uh julia state mm. probably with somebody i think she was i don't know also Anne haish played lois lane in this Superman Doomsday movie. That's which was right, she did. Not great. Not great. Uh, but Anne Hayes is not great. <laughs> to, to take that, Anne Hayes. You yeah. won't be watching this I don't show care who I piss off from twelve or from twenty-five years ago. But Anne Hayes is overrated. Sal uh, taking a hard stand on Anne Hayes. That's right. right. Here. Uh, but that was the first time where DC. I think they actually like officially said like we're making direct to disc movies. Yeah, this was. Wait, 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 was this one? No, uh, uh, I'm thinking the Darwin Cook one was the next one. Yes, this was the first it, one. it is. And then they made Justice League New Frontier. But yeah, I, I, I really like uh, Doomsday for for all its problems really? that you said. I, yeah, I think it does a good job boiling down a complicated story. The scene that gets me is when Lois goes to see Ma Kent and she's Ugh. standing there on the porch. Maybe I'm just a big old softie, but that one shreds me every time. I, I like moments like that, but at that point, the movie had already lost me, so I'm like, this is... Look, they're doing good... They're making good decisions. Maybe they'll keep them and use them in movies that I want to watch. Uh, also, I really liked the Doomsday version that they would use in Justice League more than they, what they did here. Really? Because he's such a pared-down version it's in that, like... Doomsday's just a rage... He's just the Hulk with bones coming out of his skin. Like... Yeah, I thought this one was a better design, honestly, because he had more protrusions and everything. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'd have to watch the fight again. I haven't seen that fight. The fight holds up pretty good, because if you remember in the Justice Lords episode, which is what you're talking about, the fight's over in like two seconds. Well, they, no, then they did. Then they, he rematches Doomsday. Oh, and they fight in the volcano, in the, volcano. In, in the Doomsday Sanction. Yes, right. when they, yeah, amazing episode. Uh, but yeah, so Superman Doomsday, first entry, first first swing out of the gate, and I was like, there's a five out of ten. Like... <laughs> But, you know, you have to remember at the point, too, that this one had come out, like, the DC animated universe had been, like, slumbering for a bit. So this was, like, the first piece of, like, new original animation we had gotten in a bit. So it was like, yo, dude, it's back. Remember yes. all this good stuff from before? It's, you know, it's Bruce, Tim, and your favorites all back again. But the funny thing was that all the voice actors were totally different. So, yeah. So it felt like you're never going to go home again. It, it felt it felt like a friend from high school had come back. Only he wasn't your friend from high school. He was another person wearing a mask of that guy's yeah. face. Yeah, and you're like, oh, um, of course. How wrong would we be later on? But uh, yeah, Justice League: New Frontier. I think it's the most perfect adaptation DC's done. Really? Yeah, I think that. 
out of all of them, I mean, like, you can't really count Dark Knight Returns because... It's two. Because Bruce Tim is nuts for Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, he is. Especially with it being the second one out of the gate, Justice League New Frontier made me question nothing. Like and, the, and, and the fact that the dude who wrote the comic also wrote the movie too, yes. so that helps. Amazing writing. Something that, something that they would continue to do in later DC animated movies, which I think is a great idea. Oh, I agree. Uh, yeah, having Winnick write Red Hood, good idea. Very <laughs> uh, good idea. And it works. But uh, New Frontier, the, the thing about it for me, and I'm, I'm all about the voices uh as as well as the animation like i like it's got to be the blend. it's like comics like you gotta have good art and good writing absolutely uh, with an animated feature like justice league new frontier the voice actors were all totally different but all perfect they were good and so for me i'm and it didn't like the guy who played batman whose name escapes me uh was like so good but so not Kevin Conroy. And he definitely captured like the Batman of that time. Yeah. Well, he could have been, he could have been Batman either way. Like he could be Batman in another animated feature and I'd be okay with that. Um, but the fact that he did such a good job or the fact that everyone did a good job and it's the only version we get of Lucy Lawless as Wonder Woman. That's right. Uh, so many nerd dreams back in the day of like, you know, in a perfect world, Lucy Lawless would have been Wonder Woman in a Wonder Woman movie. Such a sin. We didn't get it. But it would have been in like 96. And so it would have looked like the Phantom or the Shadow. And trust yeah. me, young viewers who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, YouTube the trailers. So, yeah, it, it, here, I have the voice cast up in front of me. Oh, David Boreanaz as Hal Jordan. Solid choice. Pretty damn good. Uh, Miguel Ferreira as John Jones. John Jones having a big part in uh, yeah, he this. plays a big role, which I thought was really cool. I'm like, good for you, man. Like, way to way to make him a, a central character. Neil Patrick Harris as the Flash, who would return multiple times throughout the DC animated universe. I remember they, that, and I remember that was really the the only one where I'm like, well, that's just Neil Patrick Harris. Like, just being, yeah, he's not playing anybody. <laughs> he, he, he'll be Nightwing again in Under the Red Hood and basically just be, hey, it's me, NPH, as, yeah, uh, as Nightwing. Me. I'll really botch the Oscars. Um, uh, uh, Kyle MacLachlan was Superman. In okay. This Superman's in the movie for like two friggin' minutes. <laughs> he is. He re Jeremy Sisto was Batman. Really? Was that? Oh, cool. Okay, good. Yeah. That's cool. He did a great job. That line where he's just like, you know, I've got a, I've got a rock that cost me like $8 million dollars took me like years to synthesize for the for the one in metropolis for you i just need a penny for a book of matches what's oh. great about that one too is you know how we see batman's costume evolve from i'm the knight yes! i am a scary terrifying dude to oh i want to scare criminals not little kids maybe i should make my costume less scary i really like that too and they were like oh okay maybe this is a bright future for batman no he's gonna die <laughs> robin do your homework yeah oh that's great um then they did that Batman Gotham Knight movie where it was a tie-in with the Batman Begins universe. And Dark Knight kind of, sort of, but not really because, like, Crispus Allen shows up in a story from Gotham Central, but it's not Renee Montoya. It's that cop from the movie. Yeah. We, we found out later was a dirty cop, even though this story doesn't really tell you that she is. In nope. fact, it would kind of tell you the opposite. Yeah, that was frustrating as all hell because, like, what a great opportunity to put Renee Montoya in a real movie. Never did it. Yeah, um, it, it, it's like several several shorts with like a bunch of different artists taking different jabs at Batman. So, you know, you get like Iron Man Batman and like anime tokusetsai Batman. Yeah. 
Uh, I also love that they cast Kevin Conroy because they were like, he says maybe two lines. Yeah. So, well, fine. Um, that also, but that for me, that was like hope that they'll keep him. That like, yeah. they'll keep using him. Like, you know what's great old. about, what's great about that one is if you ever listen to the commentary for that one, it's Paul Dini, uh, Bruce Tim, uh, uh, Neil Adams, or no, oh, not shit. Neil Adams. No, Denny O'Neill, Denny oh, O'Neill. That's awesome. All, all together doing a commentary and it's, they're really, they're only kind of watching the movie. They're more or less just asking Denny O'Neill questions and Denny O'Neill's talking to them. That's awesome. And Denny O'Neill's like, I like this bit here. And it's like, oh, really tell us more about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, when I wrote The Batman back in the day, <laughs> I did it like this. The commentary on that one is amazing. Yeah, I would love to listen to that. I've not I've not done that. I don't own it. That, that That's a sad thing that stopped for the DC animated uh, direct-to-DVD movies is they used to all have commentary. Yeah. And, it, and they used to be able to watch the whole movie. Then with Wonder Woman, they're like, okay, so we're watching an unfinished cut of the movie. And then eventually they just stopped doing commentary altogether. They, they should release podcast versions of them now. Hell yeah, they should. I remember like thinking as a, like I remember thinking back during um it's funny being a huge Kevin Smith fan. The audio commentaries will provide a new experience for as any as Kevin good Smith commentary fan. should. That's right. Like any like any um shit. Who's a great audio commentary? Oh, uh, Robert Rodriguez does a great commentary. Mm, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But. Uh, uh, Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, and Edgar Wright when they do for like the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy, yeah. those are amazing commentaries. Maybe great. Uh, James Cameron does a nice job with the Terminator with with the old movies. Um, but anyway, uh, Smith Sch- Schwarzenegger when he's talking about uh, Conan the Barbarian, he should do and, another and, one. Yeah, th- those are great too in their own right. Or yeah. when he's doing Terminator, he's like, "Da the boobies, this is a great movie." God damn it! <laughs> Making it seem like he's watching his own movies for the first time. Yeah. Oh my god, but you know what you should waste don't waste your time on is Mel Brooks commentaries. Mm. Mel Brooks didn't watch them since he's since he made them. So with Spaceballs, he's just like he's two seconds ahead of the scene and he's like, Oh, this is hilarious because we do the whole thing about beaming and the door's right there. I'm like, Yeah, Mel, we know. <laughs> the movie's a hundred years old. You know what's another amazing one, uh Uwe Boll. Real oh, god. oh, his commentaries. They, I swear to God, they are Andy Kaufman-esque works of art. So, like, on Postal, he, like, talks about all the film critics that he's fought and is going to intend to fight for not liking the movie uh-huh. and how he fought with the game's creator because the game didn't, or, you know, the game creator didn't want him making the movie. Yeah. Then he takes a phone call in the commentary. Then he gets up to leave to get some food and then comes back. Fuck that guy. <laughs> It's it's um I'm like dude if you turned around tomorrow and said yeah this is this has all been a bit this has all yeah, been a work it's a performance I'd be like peace <laughs> my career I'd be like I'd be like you are a genius yes, sir bravo except no one would believe him it's like when no. Tommy Wiseau was like no it's a dark comedy ha ha no you put your soul on screen and everyone said it was stupid and everyone's laughing at yeah exactly you. and now. Seth Rogen and James Franco are going to make a movie based on the book, based on the guy who yeah. was in the movie with you. I, I would ra- I would rather they didn't do that. I read The Disaster Artist and Spectacular, but like... Me too. It's Oh, it's wonderful. It, I would rather just see select scenes from The Room redone with amazing actors. <laughs> like like, like, if, like Lawrence Olivier well, is... Like just, you know, like, like Christopher Walken playing Johnny... And, you know, like, 
uh, like Bradley Cooper playing Mark. You're just doing a scene, just doing the football scene, like the oh hi Mark scene, <laughs> like from Funny or Die or Machinima or something like that, where they just do scenes from the room. It's like 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 when you go into like the middle of Central Park. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden, all these movie actors just playing Shakespeare because they just wanna. Like, <laughs> I just want to see that. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> Lisa, come on. I did not hit you. I did not. Anyway, how's your sex life? <laughs> be amazing. So, the next movie up on our list is Wonder Woman, which I adore. Me too. Like, if you twisted my arm and said, what's your favorite of the DC animated movies? It's got to be that one. And you know why it's that one? Because it's the best Wonder Woman movie ever made. That's right. <laughs> and, and maybe the best one we'll ever get. Like, you see it, I'm like, this is her origin. This is what makes her her. All done through movie length. That's right. This is this is as good as it's going to get. And it has the scope that you want with a Wonder Woman movie. It has a mm. great balance of actors and character. This would be a movie. And by the way, the voice acting they got, you could shoot it. Yes, you could. Alfred Molina as Ares, as Ares. The God of War. Fillion as Trevor and Carrie Russell playing Wonder Woman. I think she'd do a pretty spot on Wonder Woman anyway. So just shoot that damn movie. Like, and, and, and who did they get to play her mom? Didn't they get? Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I want. I want to say <laughs> they got was... Linda. I want to say they got Linda Carter, but I could be wrong. I don't know, but that would be that would be phenomenal. She's spectacular. Like, because yeah, the voice was amazing. It's just such a great action movie. It is. It's like a fantasy sword and sorcery thing. It makes it. It's why like I hate like in Justice League Origin, like in the New Fifty Two volume of Justice League, which would then be adapted in Justice League War. The scene where Wonder Woman's like, "Oh, I like this ice cream, herp a derp." Like, yeah. Oh, what a the subtlety of a you know, of a Mack truck. Here, watch this Wonder Woman movie where it's done tastefully and interesting like and the fact that they add like all this extra you know like importance to her origin and yeah. like like the like the first half is all about her mom and how her mom fought for amazon independence right and where it's like you know diana is this amazing wonder child because she was you know sculpted from the very clay and given life by the you know greek gods themselves yeah no it's it's a spectacular picture ladies and gentlemen if you haven't watched wonder woman buy it it's it's the best one. It's as far as I'm concerned. Like the other ones are really good and come close, but that's the best. Like yep. like there's been good live action Batman movies. There's been good yep. live action Superman movies. This is just the best Wonder Woman movie. Period. Easily. I'm skipping the Black Freighter because Watchmen is another show. But Green Lantern First Flight again. I think it's another triumph. I think it's a it's a solid Green Lantern movie. I think it's better than the movie we got with Ryan Reynolds. Oh well, that's uh, undoubtedly, and it tells basically the same story the same just a million movie. times better. It's the same damn movie, but better because it looks doesn't look like cheap and bullshit. Dude, uh, friggin' Christopher Maloney. I, I never would have been my choice, but I think he did a fantastic job. Friggin' a uh, Detective Stabler man. Yeah. As Hal Jordan, I'm like, yeah, I'm into this. Yeah, because he's a space cop. You gotta get the coolest cop that was working at the time. That's him. And a dude who can be funny too. Like that's the thing people don't know about Maloney. Maloney's hilarious. He is. He's he's in a lot of dark, serious shit, but he's funny. Yeah. I also love that uh, for me, like when they cast Michael Clark Duncan as Kilowog in the movie. That's good. Obvious though. For me, I'm like, oh, you made a big guy play the big guy. They cast Michael Madsen to play Kilowog in this movie, and it's great because Michael Madsen. Hey, poozer. He's a lunatic. He's a lunatic. Like Michael Madsen is like is out of his mind and you can hear it in his voice. And it's just, he's a coiled spring that like doesn't give a fuck 
until you say the wrong thing. And I've never seen Michael Madsen lose his shit, but I don't want to. And they got him to say poozer. They got this, you know, yeah. well-respected actor to say poozer. You know what my favorite Michael Madsen performance is? And this is going to blow your mind. Is it Free Willy? No. In Chronicles of Narnia, he plays one of the wolves. And I'm like, no man, shit. Michael... Yeah, I'm like, Michael Madsen should just be a wolf in every movie because it's just like, like a real wolf that they've kind of motion captured. And like, they, like they've almost gotten some Michael Madsen features on the wolf's <laughs> face. So so it's just a wolf talking with Michael Madsen's voice. And I'm like, this is good. Yes. This is really good, actually. <laughs> I am on board. Uh, but I thought it was cool. I was I was I was hopeful. And I think everyone was as well. That it's 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 a lot shorter and punchier than the other ones oh, is the yeah. thing. No, it, it, yeah, it's it well because I don't think I think at this point they're like they're like do we is it, I think they're also they're they're on the legs of Wonder Woman's unfortunate failure, which is really that's a killer that that one didn't sell as good as the other ones because it's the best one. It's spectacular, and then but to do Wonder Woman, and then it fails, and then for them to do Green Lantern. For DC, I'm sure they were like, "Da, all right, Batman, just nothing but Batman." Like we gotta, we gotta. You can only, you can only, you can only do Batman now because only Batman makes money. Yeah. Um, case in point, the next one up was Batman Superman Public Enemies, which I adored. Thought it was a lot That's of fun. Good. It's a, it's a straight up great adaptation of a Jeff Loeb comic from 2009. So. Yeah. And they tried really hard to capture the art style too of that book and that it, movie. Which is weird. Uh, the voice acting. Because it's a weird is, art style. Yeah. The, the voice acting is fine. Uh, there are some that are bad. I I think uh, Toy Man is awful. Uh, the the new version of Toy Man, yes, the, yeah, the, 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 hero, the hero Asian hero uh, guy. Yeah, because he he sounds like a gay Hispanic guy, <laughs> and I think he's played by one too. So oh why did you hire him to play a small Asian guy? Could you not hire a small Asian child for this I role? Ha- I can't imagine there being any like Asian pe- people voice actors who would well, like to have a job. Was Ma- was Masioka busy? Right. <laughs> um, that's like, but the core. You got Kevin Conroy, got Tim Daly, you got Clancy Brown, and you had uh, who played Amanda Waller? Oh, uh, CCH Pounder. Thank you. Uh, yeah, she just owns that role so she is hard. So perfect. She is so per- like she is such a perfect actress for for Amanda Waller. I'm disappointed. She every is time Amanda Waller in real Amanda life. Waller. Yeah, it's a shame she never got to play her in real life. Frustrating as crap because it's like you know she would have asked for less than whoever's playing her now, and she does a great job. Like perfect. here's the funny thing too. Like uh, when they hired CCH Pandrits because they were big fans of the Shield and all those cop shows. And also, she was on SVU too. She was one of the one of the bad lawyers in that show. No way. She was actually, and it's funny. She, like she didn't know anything about comics, and she didn't know anything of what she was reading. So she would just show up and read it. And if they hit a word that she couldn't say, they would work with it, uh, work with her through it phonetically, and she would just say it. That's is the awesome. Thing. Okay, I will correct myself. By the way, uh, Toy Man was played by an Asian person, but it's bizarre. Uh, but I will, still, I'll still hold to it was miscast, and he's terrible. Um, anyway, but yeah, Amanda Waller is amazing. But you had the core. And there's hope that maybe they'll make more, like, more direct comic adaptations. That was, like, the first inkling that, hey, I think they're going to start making, like, like, the thing I read into a movie. Yeah, because they'd gone back and forth where it's, like, you know, uh, World Spine, or, uh, or was it the Darwin Cook? New New Frontier. Frontier. 
that's basically an adaptation. Yes. The other ones, it's like, well, we're doing origins, but we're picking from all over the place. And yeah. Doomsday was kind of an adaptation, it's but we had to trim a bunch. You know, we had to trim a lot for time because a lot of the crap, like Reign of the Superman, we weren't getting that in a no. movie. No, although I would love to see that now. It'd be w so bizarre. Would you a Superman with Bret Hart shades destroy, destroy? Yeah, Cyborg Superman, Superboy. Ah, oh, be amazing. Don't call me Superboy. I'm the Metropolis Kid. Yeah, don't call me Superboy because we're in a we're in a litigation battle with the Schusters, and uh, they might own Superboy, so don't call them. It's <laughs> 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 stupid. Uh, Justice League: Crisis on Two Earths is in a is a phenomenal reimagining of uh, Justice League Earth Two. I still like the Justice Lords episode better. Like it's a it's fine enough for what it is, and it's cool to see the crime syndicate. Yeah. Put like actually put on screen and everything, but I like the Justice Lords episode more. I'm the not Justice gonna lie. Justice Lords episode is more fun or two parter because you get all the voice act because you have moments like you know what's funny even the Batman moments are amazing uh, in both movies for me because you get you in the in in the Justice League animated version or the carts the the show you got Kevin Conroy Bruce Wayne versus Kevin Conroy Bruce Wayne. Talking to himself. Talking in a to himself, which is amazing. And what a terrific switcheroo. Great, great episode. Uh, but with Crescent on Two Earths, the whole movie's leading up to Owlman versus Batman. Yes, which, James Woods versus Alec Baldwin. Which is like, I no, it's it's Billy Baldwin. Oh, of course. I, I can't keep all my Baldwin straight. That And that is the grave misstep of Crisis on Two Earths. Is that this is the beginning of the miscasting of Batman. Where they were like, anyone I, could play Batman. Like I, I, be, I believe you did a tangents on this at I did. one point on I your channel. I bitched and moaned about it. If you want to watch me complain endlessly about the voice of Batman in this movie, go, go find it. It's hilarious. But like, yeah. And you looked in, we both looked into the abyss. The only difference is you blinked. You blinked, click. That's cool. He. It's the only line he does right. Uh, but wouldn't it have been stronger with just, with it, with this being a Justice League, the animated series movie? Uh, well, actually, the interesting thing about that uh, Crisis on Two Worse is the animation and the character models from that was that they would they would take and reuse those for Young Justice. Oh no way! Yeah, that's right because they look they look identical. Um, There's a dude out there who does a bridge series, like a bridge stuff for all the DC animated stuff, mm -hmm. and that was a godsend to him because he's like, "Ooh, so I can take events from this movie and events from the cartoon, and in my abridging, make it seem like they're the same." <laughs> that's spectacular. Um, it's, it's a cool movie though. It's a solid premise. Gina Torres plays Superwoman. Uh, it's just, yes. a, Deathstroke is the president. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's, it's fun. It's worth your time. Check it out. I never, I, I, I like the opening with the jokester, the good version of the Joker yeah, who sacrifices cool. himself. <laughs> yeah. I'm sad that they didn't get everybody like Clancy yeah. Brown as that Lex Luthor would have been pretty friggin' awesome uh. to watch. Um, I'm also really sad. We can, I guess we can let, lament this. There's no Justice League or Justice League Unlimited movie. No, no, there isn't. The although this thing is later, but although honestly, they did so many multi-parters <laughs> that were basically yeah. movies in their own right. There's a whole season where there where it's about the threat of the Justice League. That's basically one movie. Where Bruce Tim even said, you know, we were just writing multi-parters. We just didn't put to be continued at the end of it yeah. is all we did. Yeah. Which is fine, by the way, because that show was not for children. That show is for us. That was serialized as all hell. Yeah. 
Uh, then they made Under the Red Hood, which was another direct adaptation. Uh, better, by... better than the comic it's based on. I'm going to say that right oh, now. Oh, I've no, yes, easily. Not what. Well, there's one change I would have made with that movie. Uh, and I would have cast David Warner as Rachel Ghoul. Mm. And I know you didn't get Kevin Conroy, and you know what? I will say this: Bruce Greenwood's Batman is a great runner-up. And which is why he's so good. They brought him back for Young Justice. And, and I'm so glad they did because it makes Young Justice palatable. Uh, <laughs> oh, now, 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 sir. I liked it. It was a fun show. I didn't watch. The, I actually never watched it because I was like, this show will be canceled in no time. I'm not getting invested in this again. Uh, but uh, but having want, re, like having gone back and watched the first season, I was like, okay, it's a solid show. Everyone's doing a nice job. Uh, and you get Bruce Greenwood playing Batman again, and he does a great job. He does nice. He does nice work. So you never watched season two, is what you were telling me. I have not me. seen season two, and I hear it's crazy. So you never saw the amazing time skip that they did. They do like a like almost like a five years later in the show. That's cool. That they do. So you get all the Robins, all the different sidekicks, all together, all as different members of the team. And you never saw the majesty of Greg Wiseman going in and fixing one of the greatest affronts to the Green Arrow uh, franchise ever done, wherein he splits the difference between Red Arrow and Arsenal. Oh, what a good idea. <laughs> yeah, he does. And I, I talked to him about this. He's like, yeah, I'm a huge Green Arrow fan, too. Yeah, the Roy Harper stuff pissed me off, too. But guess what? Because I had a show. I got to fix it. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's genius. <laughs> And yes, and, and then that show got canceled and we were all super bummed. Yeah, I know. And I was like, yeah, you look at all you people sad about a show I never watched. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. I, I didn't get hurt, man. I didn't get yeah, invested. Exactly. Um, Jensen Ackles does a nice job with Red Hood. Yes, he does. John DiMaggio does not quite nail that Joker. Ah, you see, I thought he did some interesting stuff with it going the other direction where he's like, no, I'm I'm the Joker who was clearly a thug and a leg breaker before I hit the ass, and I'm not the regular dude. I'm closer to the Jack Napieri from the yeah. movie. Uh, he does a better Joker than Troy Baker, who's oh, just really? pretending it, to be Oh Mark yeah, Because I, I can all I hear is Booker DeWitt. Uh, it's true. <laughs> in that Joker. But uh, but John DiMaggio, the, that movie helps me forget that my favorites aren't in this. So I'm like, yeah. and it's solid. It's a great plot. Well, like really tight. But you got to get David Warner to play Joker or to play to play Barry Shaw Ghoul. You know, Under the Red Hood is so good, in fact, that I think it uh, confused a whole generation of young comic readers into thinking Red Hood is actually a good character. Oh, easily, because I hate Red Hood. And I hate what they did with him, and I hate the decisions they made with him, and everything they've done with him since is kind of stupid. Or at least, my, in my opinion, I find it really do, really dumb. In uh, this movie, he's complicated, has pathos, has a great arc, and then at the end is finished, which is probably how the character should have been. But they're absolutely. like, ooh, you, but they're like, ooh, you like this character? Well, we're gonna bring him back. Was well, a villain, right? No, as an antihero. Well, they brought him. I mean, like they, they're like, we already brought him back. We've already undone the Jason Todd death. We might as well go for it. Uh, with that in mind, yeah, everyone always cites the end of the movie, which is close to the end of the comic, and but people always cite it like like that's can like the movie is canon in the comics, and I'm like, it you ain't guys. Not. And but but every time I'm like, ah, I'm not really a fan of the Red Hood man. They're like, yeah, but that scene in the show. I'm like, that movie does not make up for undoing the death of Jason Todd. It's, it's cool, true. but is it as cool as Batman Superman Apocalypse? I cite no. Batman Super Apocalypse is freaking cool as hell. 
But there's another. It's also mistake. it's also kind of a direct sequel to uh, Wanted or Most Wanted. Yes. Uh, which they never did up until this point. Yeah. Uh, once again, brought back the dream team of Kevin Conroy and Tim Daly, but another. And this is the, this would actually uh, it was it was earlier in this where they would keep making these horrible casting mistakes where everything would be great, but one, which started with Trice on Two Earths and continued in Batman Superman Apocalypse, which was Darkseid is not voiced by Michael Ironside. That's a shame, especially because Michael Ironside is like DC royalty from being Sam Lane on Smallville to being Louis Snart in the new Flash. Yeah, he is, he is Darkseid. He was Darkseid in the Superman animated series. He was Darkseid in Justice League. He, no one has ever made Darkseid cool it's to true me, but I, I, I am a great many things call out but on apocalypse i'm god, god. that i remember as a little kid watching that saturday morning and i'm like my life will never be the same again after yeah, that line that's that, the coolest thing ever spoken yeah i remember being a kid and being like this is a little too intense for me <laughs> like just that performance of this stoic Certain. I never really understood the dark side character until Michael Ironside played. It's true. It's true. That's the moment that gets you. Yeah. Um. They did not cast him. They got uh, Andre Brower, who's yeah. like the Allstate guy. Oh, that's right. He is too. Great. I'm gonna think of Dark Side trying to sell me insurance. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's actually the Allstate guy. He's he's the he's the general guy in Fantastic Four two. I think. Oh. Yeah, he's so terrible. And yet not as bad as the one from Justice League War. Well, he's literally just talking like this. I've never seen Justice League War. It's it's probably like one of the worst. <laughs> it's probably one of the worst ones they've made. That's Justice so League. frustrating because you have the ugh. But anyway, Michael Ironside for life, Dark Side, grave mistake. For life. All-Star Superman, really really solid adaptation. Surprised yes. they did it? Yes. Because the Grant Morrison book, so it's like, okay, uh, not it's really... as it's as close as you could get in the time they allotted for that movie. Not a th- huge fan of the attempt once again to adapt or yeah to approximate the style of the of the artist of the book. Sometimes it doesn't least, work. It doesn't work sometimes, like this one. Um, this is a cool movie, and it does a nice job, and it like it sells the book. I think it does. Like I think it's, it's a solid. It, it's it's also one of those situations too, where it's like, hmm, you know what? Like Dark Knight Returns, this one probably should have been two parts too. Yeah, easy. But, but no one would have bought the parts. Because part. because you miss out on the Bizarro World stuff, and you miss out on like the time traveling yeah. Supermans, which were which were my favorite parts of the book. Actually, the, the part where he where John Kent dies again is fucking is a gut punch and a half. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, also frustrating. They never made an adaptation of Superman Birthright, which is for me the one of the best Superman origin stories retelling. Uh, it's frustrating as all hell. We didn't get that. But don't, don't worry, Sal. I'm sure you'll get a new 52 retelling of yeah, his story yeah. at some point. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah, new 52 forever. Um, <laughs> that's definitely the way they're feeling right now. This is also, by the way, All Star Superman is the last Dwayne McDuffie. Oh, that's movie? that's a heartbreaker. Um, I know this because uh, my buddy works at the Paley Center for Social Research in New York City, which is you know the the TV museum, and uh, they had they and DC likes to do some of their premieres at the Paley Center West and the Paley Center East. Yes, and uh, Andrea Romano, Christina Hendricks played uh, Lois Lane. I know this because 
my friend was running the was was there with the event and they had like this cool poster of all-star superman which is the one that you see you know of superman like flying under the sun and uh they got christina Hendricks, andrea romano and dwayne mcduffie to sign it and then my friend took it and gave it to me oh so i and and then he died so yeah i feel like i have the last dwayne mcduffie signature I am more jelly than man right now. It's it's just hanging in my bedroom. And like as it should. Yeah. And I'm just like like do I do anything with this? I don't know. But I'll but always have Dwayne a... McDuffie, like such a champion of the DC animated universe. Dude, like yeah. obviously like obviously Deanie and, you know, and um Tim are get a bunch of credit as they yep. should, but like he was like the third wheel on that one, you know? He was he Dwayne McDuffie would have would have pushed for bet for quality control. Yes, like like here, like here's the thing too, everyone. The only reason you know John Stewart as well as you do as the Green Lantern from that show is because Duffy pushed for that. And I think he's pretty much my like. I think the animated series Green Lantern is my favorite Green Lantern. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty good. He's pretty. He's like John Stewart in the animated series is probably better than John Stewart in the comics. Oh no question. Oh, because he's actually developed and does stuff. <laughs> Yeah, we're unlike in this one where it's like, well, I guess we'll put him in here because people like him from the cartoon. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, Emerald Knights I never saw. Did you see Emerald Knights? I did, and I like Emerald Knights more than the actual Green Lantern movie, and you know why? Because Nathan Fillion plays Green Lantern. <laughs> well, actually, no, here's the thing. Like, he takes a back seat in this one, and it's all about the other Green That's Lanterns. Right. That's right. And it's and it's an anthology story, so you get one about Mogo, you get one about like the princess who's also a Green Lantern. Right. It's like you get one about Chip, like everybody gets a story. And I'm That's like, cool. you see, I like it's everything that the actual Green Lantern movie was lacking in, and that is that you know, well, Hal Jordan's not the be all end all. There's like a dozen really interesting characters inside uh, the Green Lantern. Uh, Jeff Johns might kick in your door and <laughs> Prove you otherwise, For my friend. Yeah, oh, dude, we get an uns or we get a Abin Sur story. Oh, that's cool. Which is amazing. It's him hunting down Atrocitus before he became the Red Lantern guy. Nice. It's him. It's him and it's Sinestro doing like a buddy cop thing that's to hunt really this guy cool. down. That's a solid it's great. idea. And and Abin Sur is like dropping him off on the prison planet. And Atrocitus is like, you know, things are going to change, you know, one day, you know, you'll have no idea when it happens. And then, like, it ends with, like, him seeing the red energy and everything. It's like, oh, that's cool. It was, like, the last mission he ever went on before he died. That's cool. And I'm guessing that DC was like, duh, more Batman! Because then came Batman Year One, which is, after Batman Mask of the Phantasm, I'm like, when are they going to do Year One? And then they did. And... Bruce uh, and Brian Cranston plays Gordon, which is flawless. Yes, it is. And somebody else plays Batman, and it's a disaster. The dude from the OC who now plays Gordon yes. on uh, Gotham, Ben McKenzie. Ben, ben McKenzie. Uh, I've said all I can say about Batman Year One. It's a very faithful adaptation of the comic. It's even got the internal mon. Uh, no, yeah, it does have the internal monologue. Yes, it does. Which. Dark Knight Returns was sorely lacking because the best lines in Dark Knight Returns are the internal monologues. Um, I, I'm sure that must be a battle when they do these movies where it's like, why don't we do more internal monologues? Yeah, and it's like, well, because the Frank's the only one who does them. <laughs> mm. um, but, but Ben McKenzie ruins year one. Like, <laughs> it's Ben McKenzie killed year one. It's It should be flawless, and it's not. He drove it out to the woods with a baseball bat, then tied it up naked in a snowstorm. Because, like, Eliza... Yeah, exactly. He didn't even give him the handicap. Like, Eliza <laughs> Dushku does a does a serviceable job as Catwoman. Fine. Like, 
whatever. She she doesn't detract from the picture, so I'm happy. Uh, but fuck year one. <laughs> uh, Justice League Doom should have been Tower of Babel. It's cool they got everybody to play themselves. It's almost in Justice League animated continuity, except that it's Barry Allen because Jeff Johns. So, yeah, and, and also too, you said that uh, All Star Superman was the last one that McDuffie worked. I'm pretty I guess sure. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this was done with one of his scripts, and I had a horrible feeling watching this for the first time. It's like, oh, he only did one run at the script, didn't he? Yeah. And then he died, and then you didn't want to take another run at it because this was a script that needed another run. It needed another polishing. Uh, there is no reason at all for them to replace Rachel Ghoul with Vandal fucking Savage. And that change almost torpedoes the movie if it weren't for the fact that everyone comes back except for the guy, except for John Stewart Green Lantern as, as yeah. played by Nathan Villian again, which I like. I thought that was cool, but I was also sad because it's like you get half, like it's like those Batman Superman movies where you're like, oh, it's, it's almost everybody. Why won't almost. you just do it? I don't understand. <laughs> like you're just making movies that you want to see now. Make one that will fit in here. Because animation takes a long time and is expensive and actors are busy, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's animated. They can come in any time. <laughs> <laughs> they can literally phone it in if they want. Yeah. But uh one of the first and last Mark Wade mo- uh comics to be adapted and brought into DC. Uh, oh wow. It's a great it's a great premise and it's a fair movie. It's fine in pieces, but it doesn't quite hold up. Doesn't quite work. Uh, it needed another. It needed another run. It's def. It's definitely one of the ones where I watched that one once, and I'm like, yeah, that was plenty. That was the one where I where I'm like, I gotta buy this. It's probably gonna be fantastic, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's it's another one where it's like, oh, you emphasized way more on the fighting part than you did the story part. Yep, and even then, like, you couldn't even get care like actors to play characters. Like, we just they're all faceless bad guys. Bleh. Like, really? Eh, sucks. Um, then came Superman versus the Elite. Which I really like this one. This is one of my, this is, this might be my favorite Superman animated movie. It, it, yeah, this is, this is like two or three for me, but I mean, this is, this is great. And it got even better after Man of Steel came out oh because this God. is, Superman versus the Elite is literally the anti-Man of Steel. Yeah. It is the rebuttal to that entire movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a pre-rebuttal. It's a pre-buttal. Yeah, it came out before. Exactly. It's the amazing thing. It came out before and yet it like, again, it's a pre-buttal. You're it's, right. It's almost like a harbinger. Like, I know they're going to change everything and make it dark and stupid, but don't let them. It, like, this is the way it should be. And it's like, good for you, Superman. It, it is a movie about Superman fighting the changing times and him being like, no, I do not need to change. I mean, like, you get... There's two stories that perfectly sell that. One is this, the other is Kingdom Come. Yeah. That scene between Superman and Magog, where he's just like, the world changed, but you wouldn't. And so they made me their, their leader. Like, it's fucking phenomenal. It is beautiful, um, and you know... And you know also, they're going to make that. You know that's coming. Oh, of course. And you know what I was going to say, too? Manchester Black and the Elite never been cooler than they are in that movie, Easily. so much to the point that they actually brought Manchester Black back in the comics right now to be in the crappy Teen Titans run that no one cares about. But hey, he's there now. Yeah, great. <laughs> Him uh, and his purple hair and his British accent. Exactly. Uh, but no, Superman vs. the Elite is an undisputed classic. If you don't own, if you, if you own these movies, but you don't own this, pick it up and watch it. 
even if you thought like, nah, it's kind of hokey, like watch it again. The opening credits are great in that. That's it's almost like you know, seventy five years of Superman with all like this pop art and everything. Yeah, it's well, great too because like a bunch of they almost do like the Team America thing where when the movie was coming out, a bunch of people were like oh, that animation doesn't look great. Yeah, and then the first thing in the movie is Superman watching a crappy Superman cartoon yeah. with even worse animation, and him being like, oh, they're giving all the money to charity, so you know. Yeah, I'm like, fair enough, Superman. Just um, oh yeah, just so much great stuff in that, and ugh. when Superman like unwinds at the end, yeah. it's like it's like oh, so you want a Superman that kills, huh? You want a Superman who yeah. doesn't give a shit? Well, I don't give a shit right now, and it's pretty terrifying. And, like, and I love it because then Manchester Black's like you, you bleeding hypocrite. Like he is offended that Superman compromised his morals, even though that's all he wants him to do. Like yes, except the world is not Manchester Black. The world is like yay. Like the like the world collectively said no. Man of Steel's what I want. The world is that kid who lost his dad. Is that little? I know that kid is perfect. Ugh. That kid is such perfect writing. And again, they do one of my favorite Superman bits. That I just gave you a laser lobotomy by concentrating my heat Unbel- vision through they, your irises. Solid, just friggin' solid. Did, I think Grant Morrison wrote that original version. Oh, uh, what's so funny about Truth, Justice, and the American Way? Yeah. I don't think it was Morrison. I think was it was it? someone else. No, all right. If, if it was Morrison, there'd be more trippy shit. This is true. I yeah, I thought it was a little too straightforward. It's a little too straightforward, even though there is some Doctor Whoery in yeah. it, just a little bit. Yeah, I do also love that they gave George Newbern some love because that was the Tim Daly couldn't be in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, so they hired George Newbern. And I I I, I was at first when they the pilot for Justice League when George Newbern opened his mouth, and I'm like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, you're not the Superman I grew up with. Yeah, hey. the, it's everyone else but you. And, but he grew on me to the point where I, to the point where when Tim Daly came in and replaced him in that Just League Doom movie, yeah. I was like, no, Bring Justice the other League. guy back. Yeah, like, I, he's, you know what? He earned it. But, uh, but it's nice that George Newbern played him, especially in this one. Because yeah. George Newbern played a Superman that was in Justice League, the cartoon show, so conflicted and so, so modern, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so and, and so and so conflicted that it's nice to see him playing an ideal Superman that is not conflict. That's like, this is the way the world is. Like this is the way the world should be. This is the way I am. I'm not. I'm not conflicted about who I am and what. It, I'm it's really nice. Like yeah. there's the bit where he's talking to Lois before. Is like you know I saw some kids playing today and they said it would be fun to be in the elite because it would be fun to kill. Huh. Fun to kill. Yep. Ugh. Such such an amazing moment. And I'm like, can someone send this to Zack Snyder? Can Zack Snyder just watch this scene right here? He wouldn't get it. He would make no. a gay joke and then fucking throw it away. And then he'd go and lift some weights. Is what he would do. <laughs> Uh, then uh, Bruce Tim got his wish and made Dark Knight Returns, uh, such to, such that we got two parts. We got two yes. movies, and you Which know what blew my mind when they said that. I was like, wow. Uh, the cover choices were bizarre because they like did reinterpretations, and it's stupid. Because just do the covers, just take the comic covers and put them on the DVD. I don't know what the <laughs> hell's the matter with you. It's all you have to do. Yeah, but. Uh, I really don't like RoboCop as Batman. Really? I thought that made a lot of sense, actually, for a dystopian future to pick, like, the ultimate dystopian future star to be the voice of Batman. Yes, he, listen, he grew on me, but, and I, I'm a broken record, but, like, 
Kevin Conroy's old now. And now would have been the time. Now's the time for him to play Batman. He played Dark Knight Returns Batman in Batman Beyond. That's right. That, he basically that the, did. That is the character model from that book. That's the voice that he chose. And back then, Kevin Conroy was approximating an old Kevin Conroy. Now he is old. The, the only reason they had to get Robocop is because they couldn't get Clint Eastwood to yeah. play him. I, yeah. I, there's something about that voice that just doesn't, it isn't what I heard. Everybody else is wonderful, except for Paul Lynch, Joker, whoever the hell played him. But like That, was, like, uh, that oh, was the guy from Lost. That was yeah. Ben from Lost. Oh no, Batman, I'm coming to get you. That's, well, what I mean, the crap was that? Like, what a I weird mean, decision. If you're going to play up the homoeroticism, which it, was always there, why not, not make that, himself uh, It's like It's a lot more subtle than they think it is. Like I remember when my when my comic book retailer gave this to me at the like at, at the at the tender age of whatever the hell, and he's like, <laughs> "Get ready to become a man. Read this." He's like, "I'm like, what's so different about?" it? He's like, "Well, Joker's in love with Batman." There's he says, "Darling," one time. There's no overt sexuality between Batman and the Joker. It's very subtle and understated. With Paul Lynch, oh Batman, I just can't wait. It's like Roger Smith is like, "Yo, it's a Batman. I slept your roofie before we fought." So what do you say we go into the tunnel of love here? Like, what the crap is happening in this movie? Well, I had no idea. Uh, what is it? Sal had such a good Paul Lynch impression. <laughs> it's. Not- I'm a big fan of Hollywood Squares. Um, <laughs> Roger from American <laughs> yeah, Dad. That's oh. what that voice was, in case you were wondering. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Roger from American Dad is just literally Paul Lynn. Literally um, Paul Lynn. It's Lynn. just not even a joke. Uh, also, my, the only critic, like, uh, there's very little criticism of this movie besides Robocop's voice, which I got over pretty quick, and the fight at the end. Oh, yeah. A little too much. Really? So many people love that one so much. They're like, well, it's got to be half an hour long. He fights him for three pages. <laughs> he, and, and at no point does he pick up two steamrollers and then punch with them. We we don't... You're making him super. You, He's not super. The whole point of the fucking movie is that he's a man. And then you lose the line because like, when you lose the internal monologue, you lose the line where Batman thinks it's way past time you learn what it means to be a man as he punches him. You fucking don't get that when you, you make know what him that superhuman. Was? They had to live up to the fight that everyone had in their mind is the thing. They had to live up to yeah, that they're one. like, if we gave you what was in the page, you would not like the comic anymore. So we upped the ante. And now it's extreme. Like, no! What I dug about it is they were sure to stress the importance of Carrie Kelly and uh, Green Arrow in that fight. Yes. Which, I, which, as a lifelong Green Arrow fan, I'm like, yes, thank you for remembering he helped, too. People often forget about this oh, no, when they talk integral. about the great fights. Like, he is absolutely integral to that fight. Also, and this is just me being a nerd, but, like, <laughs> I always interpreted a different sound effect for the kryptonite napalm explosion on Green Arrow's arrow. I always heard it as, like, a splintering, like, crack, like a crackle, like it, mm. like it exploded in, like, gl- like, glass breaking. And in this one, it's like, psh, it's just like mace. he's like like really like oh okay because in the comic it's it's a cloud and there's like a spark like it looks for me it sounds like like glass breaking and a thing escaping and this one it's like like how amazing for that movie too where they're like we're gonna do the mutants gang and we're gonna do all their dialogue exactly like it is in the comic that is tight 
That is great. I'm. You so have to imagine some producer was like, "Billy Berserk, you you can't do this." Yeah. What does shiv mean? I know what it means, but Frank Miller clearly doesn't. <laughs> you don't no, you, shiv. You're a mutant terrorist. You you definitely shiv people. You, you, you proud man with we Billy Berserk. Yeah, yo, chicken legs. Lick leg, chicken legs. Likes it dice. It's phenomenal. It's it like the fact they did that. I'm like, I I forgive all the problems. I own them both. I watch them every so often. And, like, trust me, man. Like, no. Uh, we also, did he lose? Oh, they changed the line when he defeats Two-Face. They changed it. And I'm like, what are you doing? There's a line uh, when he defeats Harvey. Harvey's Batman's, like, hope. And when he uh, goes crazy and, you know, he gets fixed and he's still, and he's, and he's actually Two-Face to the core and he defeats him. Two-Face has a monologue where he talks about how he's like, at least both sides match, uh, have your laugh, take a look. And then Batman says, in the, in the comic, he says, I see a reflection, Harvey. That's, he, he says, I close my eyes and I see him. And then it, it like, the Two-Face half, like, overtakes the other half, which is still in the movie, but then they flash the bat in the comic, and it's like, I'm a monster, too. Like, we're both monsters. And in the other one... In the movie, he says something like, you know, like, I'm a monster. And he's like, you and me both or something like that. And I'm yeah. like, get the fuck out of here with your lack of subtlety. Just have him say, I see your reflection. It's the damn book. You kept uh, Joker making Selena Kyle dress like Wonder Woman. You kept the the, the cotton candy scenes. You kept the milk the baby. Weird and dolls. The And the robot doll sentient things. You kept those. But you changed Frank Miller's fucking dialogue that's integral to the plot of the movie and the character of Batman. Why? Like, what are you, you doing? You kept all the uncomfortable Frank Milleriness in there too. Yeah, I, I kept all the stuff I didn't get. Like, shut the fuck up. So anyway, then they made all these other movies that I didn't see. I, I've seen all of them, so I'll be able to walk you through like, these. Superman Unbound. I wanted to see it. I still want to check it out. I haven't caught it yet. I hear it's really solid because I know that story yeah. and I think it's awesome. No, they change a lot from the story. Damn is it. the thing yet again? They leave out Pawkins' death. No! Great. What is wrong with that's the thing? That's the thing that makes it sad. Like that's the whole They, oh. they leave that important part out. No, Brainiac that's... Brainiac isn't nearly as cool as like the Justice League Brainiac and the Superman Brainiac. They never just, Brainiac's never lived up to, to Superman animated series Brainiac. There's this weird eye theory going on where people have like really dark purple eyes. Okay. There's there's like some kind of cool fights with Candor going on and Supergirl, but beyond that, that was that one was not one of my favorites. That was another watch it once and never again. Damn it! I did see Flashpoint Paradox though. So good in many ways. Flashpoint Paradox, I think, was like the end of an era for yes. DC animation. Uh, I saw it as the beginning of the next era of DC animation. It was. It's good. arguably both. It's it's yeah. It's a good transition. It's dark. It's an interpretation of. The, it's also the end of the pre-crisis or the post-crisis DC universe. Yet, yet another movie you could argue is better than the story it's actually based on because it distills it all to just the main points. Exactly. Uh, I, I think it's a solid picture. I think it's cool. If you liked Flashpoint, you're going to love this movie. It's, it, it also starts a trend of a weirdness now where it's like, okay, so The Flash is going to be getting a movie now, but we're going to put Justice League in front of it, though. Yeah. Because if we just make it Flash, people not, might not buy it in the same way they didn't buy Wonder Woman and didn't buy Green Lantern. Exactly. So we got to be we got to be really stealthy now with our names, even though it's a 100 percent 
Flash a freaking Flash story. Oh, oh like, yeah. Well, like, like, like Justice League, Aquaman's movie. Yeah. Like, they're, they're just doing those. I, I think they do a great job cutting to the core of Barry Allen as a character by mentioning the importance of his mother. And, like, yeah. in that final moment where he's running back through time oh. to stop himself from saving her. Yeah. Spectacular. And the fact that they restrain themselves and go, you know, okay, well, it was actually Reverse Flash who killed his mom. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but we're not going to say that here right now because that gets really fucking confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. They, like, they literally show the killer in his faces in shadows. And I'm like, good, because it's not important who killed his right, mother. Exactly. All this other stuff that that's dies. In- like, it's, yeah. Um, they re- they reference another movie called JLA Trapped in Time. I never saw it. Nor that was that was like some idea. Fisher Price like okay. direct uh, direct to Toys R Us. We're gonna thing. drop the Fisher Price movies because I know what those are. I just didn't recognize it right off the bat. But fuck that movie, <laughs> fuck those kids movies. Uh, Justice League War didn't see it. I was like, no. Really disappointing. It was their first new Fifty Two One out of the gate. And what a I weird get... what weird decisions with casting. Like I think Alan Tudyk plays Superman. Yes, yes, he like, does. What? And it began the incontinuity DC animated movie universe. Which which they still play fast and loose with. I mean, a lot of my problems with War comes down to the fact that I didn't like the the book War was based on. I thought that was really lackluster, and yeah. this is lackluster. Green Lantern and Batman completely sideline the rest of the team like oh, they do in the comics. Because, hey, our books still made money even after the reboot. Yep. Uh, also, they, they, they cast Jason O'Mara as Batman, who is terrible. Who, st- who sticks around and continues yep. to be the DC animated Batman yep. like six movies in now. And he's he's just so fucking bad. <laughs> like, like, he's getting better, but he's still nowhere near as you good don't, as he How many movies do, do you need to get better? Like, you, no. Like, go <laughs> just, away. Nobody wants just, you yeah. here. I, I don't know anybody who's like, Jason O'Mara's doing a fucking great job. Like, I don't care who I piss off, but Jason O'Mara rules. Like, I don't know anybody who says that. That said, I also don't care. I think he sucks. <laughs> um, then they did Assault on Arkham, which I didn't see, but I saw some scenes from because Machinima, like or whatever, whoever, like was tossing out scenes, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, this was pretty cool, and it's based in the video games, and they got it's... Kevin Conroy to play Batman. Again, this this one was actually a breath of fresh air because it wasn't based in this new shared continuity; it was based in the Arkham continuity, which right. is a great continuity, actually. Yep. They do some amazing stuff with the Suicide Squad. Again, it's a total fake out. It's Batman, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. It's no, all it's, a Suicide Squad. Sh- and they could have gotten away with calling it a Suicide Squad movie. But they couldn't, though. And well, the they thing, were afraid. They didn't know. They actually do a really good job. They make it, They borrow a lot of reference from, like, retro heist films. So there's a lot of, like, the original Ocean's Eleven in there. That's cool. And it's like a man on a, it's like, like men on a mission movie. It's, it's actually, they do a damn good job. And what's great and what I loved about it is they don't shy away from what scumbags the Suicide Squad are. And it's like, dude, it's called the Suicide Squad for a reason. It's because in the end, we're not all going to be here. And indeed, by the end, it gets to a point where it's like, you know, who's the bigger threat? Who we're fighting or each other? That's cool. And and again, yet another thing, Deadshot never been better than he has in this movie. They put so much time and effort into Deadshot. No doubt because he's primed for a movie soon. And he's going to be played by a like billion dollar making actor. Will Smith. So like they go out of their way to make him sympathetic and to make him relatable in a way that Floyd Lawton never actually was yeah. in the comics. They like stretch and just like my daughter, man, I'm doing this all for my daughter and everything. Yeah. I... What I really like about it, too, again, CCH Pounder, back as Amanda Waller. Oh, great. She should be. Running the squad. I'm like, okay, you're halfway there. Yeah, yeah, Ke- exactly. Kevin Conroy is back as Batman That's in right. the movie because, you know. It's in the game. It's, uh, 
that that works out great. Great. Uh, Tara Strong is Harley Quinn. Tro- Troy Baker is the Joker in this because Troy Baker was the Joker in, at the time. In, well, in the uh, in the Arkham Origins game, so because Hamill didn't want to do it anymore, probably because he was busy off doing Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but oh, but overall, Assault on Arkham actually pretty, pretty good. Uh, I skipped Son of Batman, which I also didn't see, but I had seen scenes from it, so I know that like uh, they got it's it's got Damien in it. I hated the introduction to Damien. I hated the story that introduced him and Stuart Allen does a great job of playing the Damien. I hate so as a, much as a little shit. He does it perfectly. He, he really nails it. Um, Marina Baccarin playing Talia al Ghul is flawless casting. Um, Sean Maher is finally brought into the, uh, into the DC Pantheon from Firefly to play Nightwing, which I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Um, but you got that Jason O'Mara in there who just sucks it up. I mean, you know, the movie, it's, they, like, here's the thing, like, you say it's based on that story. This is the point, too, in DC animated movies, where they stop doing straight-up adaptations. Yeah, stop they're, even, they're stop imaginings even, or whatever. They take the name, and then they'll put together, like, a hundred other things. So, yes, this is the premiere of Damien. Yes, it involves, you know, Kirk Langstrom and the Man-Bat formula. Yeah. But the villain is also Deathstroke, and it's the exact same Deathstroke model from Flashpoint Paradox. Oh, this is also a thing, too. Uh, they start recycling animation a lot. No! And character models. Yeah, like, here's the thing. Like, right up to Flashpoint Paradox, and I have this on good authority, they were having their funding cut repeatedly. No and shit. that's why. And that's why in the background of War, you will actually see a bunch of character models from Young Justice. You will see Virgil Hawkins walking around. You will see Apache Chief Ty Longshadow just what? walking around. And they're like, no, no, those are those are cameos is what those are. I'm like, no. That's weird. You, you're you kind of recycling now, guys. That's and- the worst. Like, I, I like... And I can imagine them saying, like, well, what do you want? Do you want a movie or do you want, like, or, or do you want Cut Corners? It's like, no, I, I then don't fucking make it. It's not it's, like it's, you're making gold here, fellas. Like, It's very sad when that started happening. Yeah, that sucks. Um, then they made uh, the Atlantis movie, which I didn't see. Probably the worst one they made. I mean, I, I, I heard... I heard only glowing recommendations for Throne of Atlantis. But I can... No, I, I, I bet it's... I don't know. I fucking and like, and like it's not bad just because it's an Aquaman movie. It's bad for like a hundred other reasons. It's the fact that they took a really great new fifties two story, arguably one of the best ones. Yeah. Of like, and they come Aquaman's like it's the Aquaman story from New Fifty Two Justice League. Like yeah, like like it's cool to like Aquaman now. They miss the point of that completely. They completely go the other way ideologically. Because if you'll remember, in the lead up to Throne of Atlantis, there was that great scene with Arthur. He's like, well, geez, I don't know, Mare, if I should wear my costume anymore. I mean, it's silly. It's, you know, I right. don't know. And she gets him out of it going, no, that is your birthright. That is, you know, you are the king and that is what the king wears. And he's just like, you know, yeah, you know, don't do it for them, Aquaman. Do it for you. Yeah. And it's a beautiful scene. None of that's in the movie. It's, it, his costume was armor that more of the armor plates fell off. Oh my God. Uh, his mother is alive in the movie, even though she's not in the comic. Bizarre. Which gives them a chance to basically rip off Thor to where, you know, instead of having Ocean Master being a complicated three-dimensional character mm-hmm. like he was in the comics, now he's just underwater Loki. Oh, good. 
Well, and and we're still he's underwater Loki, but they fuck with the ending further because if you remember, Throne of Atlantis had a great twist where it was actually Volko behind everything, right. but he had a good reason for doing it. Now Black Manta was behind everything, and he tries to explain what his plan was. Then Aquaman has a shark eat him. Great. Well, that's, yeah, that's solid. Such a missed opportunity. Such a wow. And I and I really feel like the live action movies had an effect on where they're like, no, 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 no. You you can't have an interesting pathos filled Aquaman. We, we've got, J, uh, you know, we we got a movie coming out. You oh, got to yeah. make it. You got to make it like how we're going to make it. He's got to be like a tough, take no nonsense barbarian. Right, exactly. He has to be the Conan character that we're putting in the movie. Also, too, it's at this point, too, in the movies, like, obviously, one of the cool things about these DC animated movies is because they weren't on TV, they were allowed to push the boundaries, they could be a little sexier, a little bit more violent. Yeah. Right around this time, the movies have started to get shameless, in my opinion. Well, as I understand it, like, there's a sex scene in the Batman Suicide Squad movie. Yes. Well, that that one was okay, but yes, there's like <laughs> that one I wanted to see. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, I, I, I mean, that was Harley Quinn with side boob. I wanted all of that. Right. <laughs> But no, I'm talking it's like, like Baldini. You know, yeah, did he ever? In a, in, no, I'm talking like in Son of Batman, like uh, Tali Al Ghul unloads on a bunch of ninjas with a shotgun and they get like blown to pieces and it's what? incredibly bloody. And I'm like, wow, that was needlessly over the top. See, that's the thing that I've noticed about a lot of the most current run of DC animated movies is the like, we I don't care who I piss off, but we're there's no censors here, no Fox notes for us. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's like yeah. you know, working in... George Lucas has proven that when you work with no restraint, it's not always gold. It's true. And let us not remember that these are the guys who once upon a time couldn't even show, you know, Dick Grace and Robin's family falling to their death right. and because of it. They had to get more creative with it and made a truly beautiful, touching scene because of it, because, you know, the restrictions actually made them do something more interesting. Right. Now they're just like, we can do whatever we want. Oh, yeah, no, like it was... It, it it's like um it's like the story of Jaws when Spielberg's like the shark looks like shit. Uh, let's just be more artistic and not show the shark. And then people being like, oh, it's a triumph because of how artistic it is. And it's like, no, it's just we didn't want to we didn't want to show how cheap we were. And it's like, look, but art came from your restrictions. Absolutely. Like the Wampa in fucking Empire, where it's like, well, the monster looks like shit, so we just won't show him, but we'll show parts of him, so it's scary. Like. Yeah, it lo it works that way. And in Throne of Atlantis, like a bunch of like Atlantean mooks get like hit with water crystals from Mira, and they get like all impaled and they bleed all over the place and everything, which is funny because the guy who directed that one also directed like a bunch of Avatar: The Last Airbender, and oh, water er, and Mira is basically just doing water bending. <laughs> And it's the stuff you've always wanted to see in water bending. Where it's like I could make this into an ice crystal, and then I could like jab that into your jugular, yeah. and you would die. Yeah. And that's basically what they did. Azula yeah, be fucking dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, fucking dead, man. Now, now there's an episode right there, the yeah. Avatar series. Um, yeah, the Avatar series, man. I loved three seasons out of that show. Oh, I, I so, so you're not a Korra fan? I am a major Korra apologist, so we may need to turn this into a debate. Yeah, because I really don't. Um, but uh, yeah. I interviewed Janet Varney oh, on cool. an old interview that's lost now. I was the first person she talked to when the show came back. Nice. I, I've seen her at conventions, and each time I think, oh, we should talk to her. And then I thought, no, I hate Cora. There's nothing I want to talk to her about. She is a lovely woman, but you would probably have a hard time because here's the thing her Cora voice is just her talking. It's normal. just her talking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, no. 
Um, then they made Batman versus Robin, which I also didn't see, but I heard once again, they're like, Oh, court of owls is popular. We'll steal <sighs> from that. We'll steal from this. We'll and, again, this is the point where it's like, we really want to make another Batman movie, but we don't know which one we want to do. You so we'll take a thousand. So, How about long Halloween? How about, so, uh, the cult? How about, uh, you know, hell, fuck it. Pay some money and get Batman versus Predator. So, so you've got the beginning of the movie, which is like, hey, we'll do detective comics with Weird Al Yankovic's Dollmaker because Dollmaker apparently showed up in everything last year. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fuck that. He showed up in everything. I like Weird Al, I like Weird Al so I'm happy to see him get work, but like, whatever. It's like, and then we'll have Damien in the story. And then we'll do uh, the Batman and Robin nemesis story with, like, another guy trying to turn Robin against Batman. Only it'll be a Talon from the Court of Owls, but it won't be any of the Talons you actually know. We'll invent a brand new Talon oh, just good. for this. And we'll completely mangle the Court of Owls storyline by doing a cheap, you know, bastardized version everyone, of the story. Like, everyone, there's... No one out there to, that doesn't say that Court of Owls is probably one of the most successful New 52 books. Yes. Yes, it is. Just do that. They really should have. And instead, they're like, okay, we'll do a bunch of different Batman stories in doing so, making sure we please absolutely nobody. Right, exactly. Um, then they made that neat, crazy idea of Justice League Gods and Monsters, which I've only seen. I saw like the Har I saw a Harley bit. I saw Superman versus Brainiac. I own it. Uh, it was actually gifted to me by uh, SUNY Purchase. They gave me the whole damn Blu-ray. Oh, nice, nice. And yeah. I look forward to watching it, but, like, and it's Bruce Tim back, because Bruce back Tim left again, after back in Dark Knight Returns, and it's just Bruce Tim being like, I want to do this crazy shit that no one would ever let me do. And it's like, that sounds cool. I'd watch that, and eventually it's, it's I will. It's better. It's definitely the best one of the last couple, because it's it's free from the new 52 continuity. They can right. do whatever the hell they want to. Benjamin Bratt is actually really fun as that world Superman, who yeah. wasn't raised in Kansas. He was raised by migrant workers. Okay. And so he has a completely different view of well, truth, justice, and the American so way. So he's an alien who was raised by aliens. Yes, they're That's taking amazing. They're, they're taking Superman as like the ultimate immigrant story to the next level and they're applying it today. That's awesome. And he's like, you know what? Growing up, truth and justice never seemed to be there for my people when I wanted it. <laughs> so you know what? Fuck the rest of you. Yeah. Um, I, we forgot to mention, and I think we just need, it just bears a quick tertiary note. The, uh, the animation after Bruce Tim left uh, significantly shifted. Big necks, where, big meaty necks. Everyone has these huge necks and tiny heads, and everyone looks like they're roided out morons. Everyone and, looks like Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and uh, what the crap? Um, and but it's funny because God's monsters. We're back, Bruce. Thank you for making everybody a triangle again. Yes, I'll take the triangles over these big hulked out monsters. I, I was such a DC animated fan growing up. I would always draw my bodies as triangles without oh, yeah. even knowing it. And like, pe like parents and teachers would say, "Well, why is that kid always drawing triangles?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Cause that's how Bruce Tim taught me how to draw." <laughs> if you uh, and like we we do need to do like a Marvel animation episode because like if you've ever looked it up, you should find it because like there's an Imgur Gallery somewhere, but I'm sure it's everywhere. But like Bruce Tim draws doesn't just draw dc stuff he's drawn and painted marvel stuff those are great and it, it is like why aren't you doing this his now? phoenix and his mystique and all the others well, but... all, all his women are very are, are are you know gorgeous and shit but like dude loves that pinup style so much to the point pinup style so much to the point that he did a porn book called uh bruce tim's naughty or nice which is just like i'm gonna draw a bunch of naked ladies yep i'm gonna draw harley quinn having sex with poison ivy no, there's nothing you can do about it and it's like yeah <laughs> who would want to stop you you can't st it's like you can't stop me and it's like 
no one's trying to stop you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hold me back. Like, hold me back. Uh, yeah, like, no. Um, I, I, I don't understand why that hasn't become a thing. I remember when they were talking about doing the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon when they were developing it. And they were like, and Jeff Loeb was like, what do you want? He like went out to the universe and was like, hey, people, what do you want? We were like, we want Paul Dini involved. We want like so-and-so involved. We want this. And they were, and they were like, okay. And it was shit. Yeah. Which which is hard to believe where it's like, hey, you actually did have Paul Dini involved yeah. with this and it's not very good. And you also had Man of Action involved and yeah. also not good. And it's like, no, I just want Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes. Like, I just want that. I just want spectacular Spider-Man to continue. Well, you can't have well, it. You can't have that. And that's just not, like, not only can you can't have it, but we're replacing Josh Keaton with Drake Bell in this uh, one episode. Like just, Josh Keaton is so much better. Yes, he is. Drake Bell can't even say spider. He's a spider. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway. J- jo- Josh Keaton, yet another guy in my Skype list right now because I interviewed him not too that's long awesome. ago. He is he's, cool. He's another wonderful man. Apparently a fan talked to him at a con on behalf of me and said, oh yeah, he'd be willing to talk to you again, Joe. I'm like, well, th- thank you for delivering the message for me. Right, well, okay, we'll do it. Um, and with that, uh, oh, with Gods and Monsters, cool idea, I'm excited to watch it, and as I understand it's, it- It's pretty good. It, and hopefully we'll usher in more Bruce Tim DC stuff. Well, the next two that are coming down the pipeline, right. the next, the absolute next one is Batman Bad Blood. Right. We got the trailer for that one at New York Comic Con. Yep. It is yet another Jason O'Mara continuation of that story. Yep. This time around, they're doing parts of uh, Battle for the Cowl because Batman is gone now and Dick Grayson has took up the costume. So we're also doing Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin because it's those two characters uh-huh. together. We're uh, also getting Batwoman Kathy Kane making her first appearance. Yes, and I saw that, and that's cool. And, but also Luke Fox Batwing is also making his first appearance okay. here, too. I mean, like, so these are cool characters, and it's a good idea. Because we're trying to build up the Bat family, even if we got a rush to do it, we're yeah. going to do it. Yeah. And But here's the thing. You know who the villain is for that movie? No. Tr- try and guess. I bet you'll never guess. Is it a Batman villain? Yes. Uh, I'm going to guess it's Scarface. You, I wish, man. I, I have a soft spot for Scar. <laughs> no, it's the heretic. But the heretic is the villain. This is a huge but here. He's dressed as punk rock Batman, not Middle Eastern Batman, because they're like, yeah, maybe having an evil Damien right. clone dressed in Middle Eastern garb would send the wrong message. Maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, I guess that's fair. So now he's just dressed as punk rock Batman, which is admittedly a cool costume anyway. It is. Yeah, it's cool. Um, he's, and- he's got a sleeveless trench coat, so you know he's serious. <laughs> oh shit! My and his bat- fell off from so from my awesome. And his bat mask has like like a hockey mask thing on it, almost. So he's kind of like Jason. That's kind of cool. All right, I'd like to see that drawing. Um, and of course, Killing Joke. Which- That's gonna be the next one. Yes, Hamill's back for. Which- they're saying they're not sure if Conroy's gonna come back. I'm like, you're sure he's gonna come back? What's the fucking point? If you're not gonna get him, then what is the point? If you get Hamill and you don't bring Je- when you don't bring Kevin Conroy, I will make videos on our channel advising our fans to assault uh, DC's like internet, like their 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 inboxes with what the fuck? Because you failed if you didn't do that. You failed, and I get that. Like you know, Kevin Conroy's kind of got you over a barrel, but how much can he ask for at this point, really? Realistically, and how much will you be willing to make off the back of this? It's it's undisputedly a good idea. It's a confirmed hit already. Yes. 
And the fact that they're like, yes, this one, we can have the rating be as dark as we want it to be. We're not being like, hamstrung by anything. But don't be stupid about it. Just make it the goddamn comic. See, I worry about DC Animation now. If they yeah. made this five years ago, I'd be like, oh, awesome. But now I'm like, ooh, you've been making some bad decisions lately. Yeah. Get a damn good adapter and make it cool. And well, don't well, try hey. to just draw Brian Boland style. Do it well make and, and and deliberate with good cinematography like you used to you remember what you used to do right i know that i do and i didn't even make the damn thing well hey you know what they could always do they could always reach out to the original writer maybe he'd like to take There's a part no in this. way <laughs> the, the wizard of northamptonshire he is, will come out from his cave he wrote that to to he wrote killing joke to fulfill contract obligations i know he didn't even give a shit and he was like, oh, I wrote this transcendental perfect joke story. Here you go. Like, oops. You know, as opposed just, to... Just, just fell out of me, you yeah, know. Oh, this is what happens. Sometimes you get what happened to the world, to the man of tomorrow. And some, you know, oh my God. But yeah, I, I no, they're not going to, they're not even going to bother. No, of course not. But they should, because it'd be hilarious. And because, if word ever reached him down in his magic cave. Yeah, well, he he comes out of that magic cave to do podcasts and stuff, which I'm like, someone has to have his email address, right? Well, because what podcast does he do? You can you if you YouTube it, like he does these random podcasts that nobody fucking listens to, which is why he might be perfect for our show because nobody fucking watches it. Be like, like be, be like, look, Mister Moore, I assure you, if you come on our show, no one will hear it. Yeah. I promise, yeah, we're, and I'm not going to ask you what you're going to do next. I just want to talk to you and just be a conversation. So, Alan, what's going on? Well, you know, I got some Fruit Loops that I'll put down <laughs> to, to, to my cave, but because it's always yeah, cold. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Don't even ask me about comics. Just like, what did you do today, Mr. Maul? Yeah, and what do you think? Like, you know, what, what what's going on? Like, I would just ask about YouTube and stuff. Be like, you know, well, I really love PewDiePie, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, really? He's a secret PewDiePie. Because he's... I don't think it's much of a secret. Like, I think he's a huge hypocrite who's like, you know, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a recluse, but I absolutely have broadband internet connection, and I'm perfectly aware of what's going on. It's like... Because he said, oh, like... Full speed yellow videos are the best. Oh, I no, like yes. their challenges. Because <laughs> he was like, I'm never going to see that V for Vendetta movie. But I'll read the screenplay. You read the screenplay? I thought you said you didn't give a shit. You're you might as well see it at that point. He's like the guy who's like, oh, I don't care if she dumped me. I'm just going to go check her Facebook profile every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes. Like, Jesus, dude. He, he There's a dude that I used to be friends with who um, he, uh, he had a really, really messy breakup with oh. a mutual friend back in the day. And, uh, and one of our mutual friends is getting married. And we still hung out with him, but we weren't hanging out with her. And she's like, hey, I want to invite your ex-girlfriend because she's she was my friend when we, you know, when me and my husband or future husband met. Um, is that going to be a problem? And not like, are you going to start some shit? Just like, just like, would that be a problem? I think <laughs> would she that make you feel bad? Yeah. Like she and he goes and his reaction was problem. Why would there be a problem? I can't imagine why there would be a problem. And she was like, OK, so, so it would be a problem. So the way you're acting makes me think. Right. So because he just went full 110%. No, it's totally cool. And it was like, so it's not cool. Okay, cool. That's, that's Alan Moore. Like, oh, I hate the comic book industry. And that's why I'm subscribed to comic book resources. <laughs> Except he probably reads Newsarama. Gotta um, get the news from somewhere. Exactly. But like, he doesn't, like, what do you 
care. You don't even make comics anymore. And I know, and like, before you freak out, like, yes, he does make comics, but not anyone that people read. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, Killing Joke is up next, and I know they're doing a lot of other things, like, th they've announced or they've teased at things like the Judas Contract or well, JLA versus Titans. That's the thing, which makes me go, oh, it's going to be Neo 52 connected, so you're going to do the new 52 version of the Teen Titans? Maybe just don't do it at all. Yeah, but they're not going to, like, but they might not, and unless, until it's, like, on the fucking docket. Like, Bad Blood, there's a trailer with other movies, like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't count on a movie from DC or Guillermo del Toro until I see a trailer. They've been pretty good about making everything they say is coming out for animation come out. I think that's actually pretty well regulated. Unless it's a Titans movie. Unless it's a Titans movie, in which case, eh, we have better things to do. Yeah, um, but I'm hopeful that the that the Killing Joke thing. I mean, like Mark Hamill tweeted about it, like, and not that he like he had tweeted about it that he wanted to, but he had already. I thought I remember he reading a tweet that he said he laid down voice work for it. I mean, it's like, again, if you're not going to get Hamill, what's even the point of doing it? Well, and he said out loud, like, years ago, when I retire, I will This come is the back. only thing that'll make me come back. Yeah, and it's like, good. That's That makes sense. You and Conrad, which is, come Which back is funny, because he had only been retired for a little bit. Like, wasn't it like a couple weeks after Arkham Knight came out? He's like, yep, I'm done now. That was my last bit. Oh, yeah. killing joke movies. Oh, <laughs> but but I'll still think. By the way, Arkham, uh, no, Arkham uh, City was the last one he did and you know what solid yeah solid fucking story um but yeah so dc animation uh rises and falls i think that every so often they get it right uh they used to get it more right than they do now i think i think that's... They're, de they're definitely on a slump right now i think streamlining it and making like no all 52 now or at least every other it's one new 52 What's a bad idea? I liked the freshness and the newness of, you know, like every time you're going to get new actors and a new art style and new everything. I think streamlining has really hurt it. Yes. And I'm sure someone had the idea where it's like, well, you know, animation is one of the few things we do consistently, right? We should build a universe out of it instead right. of doing another show. We could be just like the Marvel guys. We'll even have post-credit stingers at the end. <laughs> yeah, but nobody gives a shit. <laughs> but your, your DC animated direct-to-DVD features don't make billions of dollars in the Chinese market. Like... It's not the same thing. You can't just do what other people are doing and be like, oh, that's how it works. Like, except copying the, the renaissance of DC animation, which we need to do at some point. We need to do the like Marvel animation and what they've done, what they're doing wrong and how they can fix it. Because I think between the two of us, if Disney was like, you two need to do we would we would revolutionize Marvel animation. Well, I think it's obvious what they're doing wrong, and that is they're... Well, I mean, can you even say it's wrong when they're making money over fist at? They're appealing too yeah. much to young, young children, and I'm sure their reasoning behind that is, hey, our movies make money off everybody. We can appeal... You know, we can afford to appeal to young children. Right. I mean, like, that's fair, but that doesn't mean you can't make everything. You have the funds, you have the resources, and you have the audience that's willing to get it. So do it because like and we've seen it i i would i would actually i would never have believed it if i didn't have shows like spectacular spider-man uh adventures of mightiest heroes and the hulk versus movies yeah those two flicks are fucking great and i don't mean like they're transcendental but like they're well choreographed like they're good they're they're, they're well shot perfect voice animate or voice actors really solid animation which is rare for a marvel movie yeah. um and odd choices they were like they're bold decisions back before thor was really cool and interesting and hot they had hulk versus thor and it's fucking cool 
Also, you know, I mean, we could do the whole thing about where it's like, hey, Marvel, what's with the whole outsourcing your animated movie properties to like anime houses to make like weird anime hybrids? What a weird decision. Um, But I think that with the with the advent, with the return of Bruce Tim and the success, I think it's successful. I think the people really dug it and I think commercially did well. Just like Gods and Monsters, I think we have the potential for, for an nice, upswing. For an upswing. For a nice blend. And, like, you could still do adaptations, but I, I want to see more more stuff like this. Like, either original ideas or original takes on, yes, please. on, on classic stuff. Like, if I wanted the New 52, I would just go read the New 52. And, and it looks I'm sure... better. Like, if I want to read New 52, if I'm going to read New 52, like, it's drawn by Jim Lee. You ain't going to fucking do better than that. Like I, I mean, I'm sure their reasoning was like, look, we're making new comics right now. We got animation. We should make movies to get people interested in the comics. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, but animation moves so slow and comics move so fast that by the time you're done one animated movie, we're already on to the next arc and the next thing. Exactly. And you know what's funny? DC doesn't even know, doesn't even remember what they used to do. When you bought the V, at least was this was the VHS with the VHS of Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. You know what came with a mini comic Ooh. of Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Where is a mini comic of the first issue of Justice League, you know, origin for yeah. Justice League War? Where is the Throne of Atlantis issue? If you if you are one studio, and uh, actually, you have I think I think they've started doing that now. Actually, really? oh, well, I think good. they. But I think it's like a special item you have to go buy. You buy the trade, and then you get the movie along with it. It's not the other okay, way around. no, but it should be the other way around, because those movies are bringing people into the comics, not the other way around. No one's reading the com- Like, anyone who's reading the comics is also watching the movie. That, you know, that's a you know what that conceit. reeked up to me? That's, we gotta get rid of these damn movies no one liked. Let's try and package them with the comics people did enjoy. I mean, like, it's it's a solid business strategy. I mean, I, I, I would take a free movie, you know, because, like, whatever. But yeah, there you go. DC Animation, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I mean, we kind of just went through the movies. We didn't really talk too much about the shows. I think we kind of segued. I, I, I assumed we were going to talk about the shows. I had the whole list of shows in uh, front of me. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, we're doing direct-to-DVD movies? Okay, this is fine, too. Maybe we should do a, a part two where it's just shows. And we'll skip Batman the Animated Series because we've done that to death. I think that's yeah, solid. We, um, that's that's fair. I'm fine with that. Because we could also just talk about Justice League Unlimited for like an hour. <laughs> True. We, we honestly could. The show is so good. Yes, it is. And it ends, and it's. I love how every season for Justice League, it ended with them going, uh, we we didn't, like, we, we don't think we're coming back. <laughs> they wrote every season finale like it was going to be their last, because they thought it would be, and like, hey, there's a, there's a lesson for all you writers out there. Write everything like it might be your last, because right. it could which be. Is, which, by the way, is another great uh, instrument, or a, a great tool to, like, go, hey, we're going to do this, and it's, we're working in a box like we have to write our way out of it and it was great because they're like it's it's over i'm still gonna do my last batman beyond episode which is why it's called epilogue i fucking i fucking watched that i'm like i think the show's canceled you ended it with a batman beyond episode what balls such testicles on you people (laughs) are watching the show like where's booster gold and you ended it with a show that ended 10 years ago how fucking amazing is that Look, we really wanted to make another Batman Beyond movie, but they wouldn't let us. So here's everything that Bruce Tim had sitting yeah, on his desk that we crammed everything. into one last episode. We just episode. pushed his whole desk into a, a box and then sent the box to the fucking animation Animators. Team. Just like, like do, do it. it. 
Just yeah, oh uh, no, I want I want to bring back Andrea Beaumont. She's a fucking gun for hire as the Phantasm. And no, and the Grey Ghost is a movie series that Terry watches when he's a kid. And Amanda's in charge of the Batman Beyond Front. Like oh my god, this this is twenty two minutes, right? Like you you can't possibly. And Terry gets married, and Batman's his dad, and fucking yeah. like oh my god, you're dropping bombs here. Like fuck, like just really just blew it all up yeah. right at the end there, where it's like there's so much I want to tell you, and I. Only have 22 minutes exactly. to do it go yeah, it's like an old friend from like from high school or college like, coming to visit and being like i gotta go i, got, I gotta take a piss but really quick <laughs> here's everything that's been happening over the last 10 years bye like no there's more you could have gone into detail oh but yeah uh, also uh just because it's a live show i'll answer a quick question uh a mighty adam asks like what's this about punisher they're doing a new punisher book Oh, has that has that officially been announced right now? I've been off Twitter. Yeah, there's a new Punisher book. It's it's being written by uh, what's her name? I can't remember her name. Oh, it's a she writing it. Yeah, she wrote some Punisher t- before, and it's drawn by Steve Dillon. So I'm not interested. Ooh, oh, I, I like Steve Dillon. I like I him when like he did Steve with... Dillon when it's Garth Ennis writing it. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. like I remember when they did like uh. I think Steve Dillon wrote like the first, or drew like the first couple issues of that horrible Thunderbolt series from Marvel now. And he tricked me into liking the first little bit of like, yeah, this is oh great. Oh my God. Yes. That Thunderbolt series. Like when, yeah, with Punisher and Elektra and everybody that's friggin' tight and cool. And I really dug it. Um, but no, <laughs> but it didn't last. It was not to be, let me see who drew that. Let me see who wrote that fucking book. It's, uh, Becky Cloonan. Becky Cloonan. Huh? I, I've heard of her. Yeah. She's I've I've read her stuff. She's good. Like she's a good writer. So I would be excited if it weren't for the fact that it was Steve Dillon drawing it. Now, uh, does he have a new costume or anything? Or what's the deal? Is there uh, been art it, for it? I think the way that they're argu- that they're saying it is, um, how do they describe it? They didn't really because it's it looks like it's Frank. But like as I understand it, it's more it's like a criminal trying to kill jason Voorhees, huh which is kind of like what greg rucka was doing with his run where it's like well we'll have a punisher book but he'll be more like the boogeyman in the background we'll follow these two cops who are clearly just the two cops from seven right which is cool that's that's a solid thing i'd like that um but it's also a ripoff of the salmon twitch book <laughs> when salmon took his spawn of these two detectives and then bendis like actually cut his teeth a little bit on writing a salmon twitch series where it's just about the two detectives and like dealing with the aftermath of spawns bullshit oh and also the guy he's dealing with here will have some connection to his military background because of course he will because they always do because why not that's how i would write it if if you gave me the book i actually i I have a great pitch that i'll say right here because i'll probably never get a chance to do it (laughs) but but my ideal punisher story is he fights like a vietnamese super villain like he fights the vietnamese version of the punisher Okay. is what it is and like he leaves all these cryptic messages to him in vietnamese oh. and it's like and it's like you know we're both warriors frank you know we're both fighters and everything you know come back to the jungle come back to vietnam and oh. we can have and we can have war forever you and me <laughs> because this is our way we don't belong in the outside world we right. don't belong with regular people this oh. is the only place where stuff makes sense that's that's tight I would I would write my Punisher. We all have Punisher pitches. I, my Punisher pitch would be, um, uh, give me. A, uh, I would call Marvel editorial and go, "What villains can I kill? Am I allowed to kill just dead? Like, give me a list, 
and you can you can bring them back, but I want a list of all the villains I can kill from the from the deepest darkest reaches of the toy box. You can kill Whirlwind, and you can kill right, like, <laughs> and that'd be cool. And then basically, it's just called like Punisher the list, and it's just Punisher being like, "Here's every bad guy on the list," and I make a list that is every villain, and he just starts on the bottom and works his way up, and he never, and of course, he's gonna get canceled before the fucking top of the list. So you just you just have him kill cool, like have him cool, like kill Whirlwind, and have it be a really bitch of a fight because it's a dude in Kevlar fighting a fucking guy in an armor suit who can create tornadoes. tornadoes. Like, how do you fix that? Unless you're Garth Ennis, and then it's like, oh. Well, he fucking just uses magic because plot convenience and I want Punisher to kill everybody. But like, heck, heck, I don't know if you read the new Ant-Man from this week, but Ant-Man fought Whirlwind this week and Whirlwind almost killed Ant-Man. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's cool. I, I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, my Punisher pitch is just Frank Castle the list or Punisher the list. And it's just Frank being like, you know what? It's time to clean house. Give me all the, hey, you got a new power broker? Can I go kill the old power broker? Because you could do, like, I'm going to kill the Tinkerer. Like, you could do six issue story arcs for one villain so you could have like a hundred issue run and only kill three guys but if he kills the tinkerer how are all of spider-man's villains gonna get their gear and they everything? have there's other tinkerers or they or whatever who cares like they let dan slot sort it out let him figure it out actually i, I caught a lot of thing from the new spider-man uh yeah. the second issue because there's a flashback to a story i didn't read oh ends of the earth Ends of the Earth, and I was even talking to Armin because we co-op that review, and I'm like, "Is it? Did, did we read this? I forget. Was it? This feels like he's referencing something he, he did. It's it was a solid story. It wasn't well, only to get a him. only to get a hundred messages. Yes, Joel, it's Ends of the Earth. Yes, Joel, it's Ends of the Earth. So I guess before next week, I gotta go read Ends of the Earth. It, it's know. a it's a fun read. It's a solid story. It's not as good as Spider Island. It's bigger, and it's like it's like the apex of Dan Slott's, like infatuation with spider-man like okay i've 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 re i've pushed peter parker as as op as i can get him here's where we are right which is right when and then he kills him like <laughs> so yeah like spider-man saves the world and then dies like that's you know but that's that's the slot for you so i guess i have uh, to go back and read it now because he's referencing it again eh, you only need to know that silver sable died and, okay. And maybe, I, I I gleamed that from the flashback. That's it. Yeah, you don't really need it because there's not going to be a lot of fallout from it. Just like Spider-Man impressed the Avengers again, and I'm sure they'll forget. Because <laughs> it's eight months later. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I think we got to wrap it up because it's been two hours, uh, which is one hour longer than I expected. <laughs> I know, right? We always do this. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but hey, everybody, thank you guys so much for watching this episode of the Elseworlds Exchange, where we talk about DC animation. Uh, hopefully, we'll do a part two where we talk about TV shows. This one was just directed DVD adaptations and movies. Uh, they were pretty solid. Um, you know, ups and downs, peaks and valleys, and, uh, you know, I, I, and hope for the future, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I'm feeling more uh, hopeful about it now. I'll feel more hopeful when Batman Bad Blood comes out and is done, because I, I feel like that one's going to be another. Well, it'll be just like the last two. Yeah, it feels because again, because the other ones were like very mediocre, and I think this one will continue to be mediocre. Yes, it will continue the noble tradition of thorough mediocrity. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so we'll see you guys next time. But hey, before you go, don't forget to subscribe to Cape Joel and uh, give him some love. It's in the description box below this video itself. And, thank you, uh, thank if you. you. If you want to make Comic Pop get a little bigger and get a little better, you can always stop by our Patreon, patreon.com slash comic pop. It's also in the description box down below. And we'll see you guys next week with an all new exciting episode of the Elseworlds Exchange where we talk about another topic. That's the show. We just, Joel and I, grab a geek topic and then just hammer it to death. So it's true. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'm Sal. That's Joel. Goodbye. <laughs>